0: We've just been here
1: It's been what? Not even 24 hours Not even 24
2: hours
0: (laughs) Not only did we have some big news This is episode 28 We've had riders We've had track owners We've had parents We've had wives We've talked about We've had trainers Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the body We've talked about the family We've talked about the business Tonight we're going to cushion our ride a little bit And we're going to talk about suspension (laughs) We have Billy Edmondson with Powerband Racing, who joined us. We want to thank you for coming down. And, uh, Derek, it, give us a good intro tonight.
1: I mean, I ain't got much of an intro. Let's let Billy give us the intro tonight. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Oh, boy. This is like a, a relapse of last weekend. Someone hands me a microphone. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate you guys having me down and stuff like that. I mean, uh, yeah, I've owned uh, Power Band Racing for... Twenty-five years. Oh wow. Um, started off like all of us do. You just got a passion for something, and you know, you, you, the whole problem with our industry at times is it's kind of limited to the resources. You know, as a as a young man, I was, I mean, drawn drawn to anything I could get my hands on. Uh, a service manual. Uh, you know, just there was. Uh, not going to age myself here but the internet (laughs) was really new um but there's just no there was no platform for young you know motivated people to learn certain things so you kind of had to grassroot it you kind of had to take it apart document it put it all back together so you know come from humble beginnings i mean most suspension guys in our industries whether you know yeah there's a few that you know were some mechanical engineers at one point in time but some of your top suspension guys guys like bones bones was a welder he didn't come from suspension university um there is no such thing as that at times (laughs) so we're all just learning as we go and finding our crafts and uh that's what i did i mean started this out of my garage how many years ago Um, actually came from an industrial side i was an industrial pipe fitter before this uh one thing that i found from that was i got to go into a lot of places and learn about industrial stuff anodizing nitrating uh, oil manufacturing so from that standpoint i definitely see that being a benefit at the time but it got to the point when when i was a young man and i had to decide well uh, either i'm going to continue being this pipe fitter or am i going to chase my passion and before you know it you're taking days off from your industrial job (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> do your passion and before you know it your wife's looking at you saying are we doing this and yeah and this you know the rest is history but uh 25 years of doing this uh we moved down to Tavares uh, central florida in 21 something we've been wrestling with for for many many years we started off as a, uh, a regional suspension shop uh being minnesota base and stuff like that. We had a good following and stuff like that. And then uh, somebody talked us into going to Lake Whitney.
0: So you went from District 23 to Texas?
3: Texas uh, for a big race and showed up, you know, and had a good showing and stuff like that. And before you know it, you know, from, from me quitting being a pipe fitter to two years later, we were winning Loretta titles. So I thought, you know, Austin Forkner is actually our first – One of our first championships um it's funny that times we've had pro teams that i look back and every one of them used my product at one point in time so it's kind of really cool seeing that from a standpoint of seeing kids when they were 50s and 65 riders and all of a sudden you're like hey i I know that name that that (laughs) name was back in quickbooks so but long and the short is we we've went through different phases as a company and uh we've uh, we were known as a mini suspension experts for many, many years, and that actually got us in the door with WP because there really wasn't anyone putting a lot of focus on the youth model. So when I say mini suspension, super minis and down, okay. we were, you know, we, we owned that market for a long, long time, but at the same time, you do paint yourself in a corner. So we had to, you know, keep looking at it. And once we came on board with WP, that, that kind of the rest is kind of history because it gave us a platform to go after a lot more stuff. Now we're winning many O's and different stuff like that. And I wouldn't say that winning championships doesn't pay the bills. It's great, but it's a customer base. Um, And our customer base expanded so much through those years. We went from being a regional company to, before you know it, you got boxes showing up from Florida, from New York, and California. You're all over, and you're just like, I didn't see this coming. (laughs) But it's double sided. You have to, now you have to put more testing into it it's easy to be the local guy um, they see each other every weekend so yep. if you got a problem you go see him at the truck yeah I don't get that option I'm 2,000 miles away so settings have to be better uh, customer service has to be better uh, everything you do has to be better so yeah it's 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 been a wild ride and I've been enjoying it I, I still enjoy it uh, we keep expanding doing different things do we do everything right when we expand as a business no i mean i can off the air i can tell you a few horror stories of (laughs) things that we did that got us where we're at at times that boy i'd like to have those years back a little bit trying to navigate that but uh yeah it's it's i just enjoy this stuff i mean i can talk suspension all day long i can talk about 50 suspension and building having guys bring you a pw and say what can you do and you're just shaking your head going what are you doing it's a pw what do you <laughs> expect it to do listen
1: we raise pws and we know what the pw world is like hey
3: it's, it's, it's a scary world
0: I, i'm gonna ask questions and i'm gonna sound naive and that's perfectly fine because one we're talking about the black art of suspension tuning tonight and everybody, everybody you talk to has a philosophy and what's crazy is sometimes each of those philosophies in the right situation is correct. Well, let's put it
1: into retrospect before you before you dig into it. You said we, we talk nutrition, so yeah. we keep the body healthy. I mean, that's one of the most key important parts of riding. Um, we've had team owners on here. We've had professional riders, um, all aspects of this sport. But as we talk nutrition and the body and how it energizes, I in my opinion the most important part on your bike is your suspension so before we dive into that you know i wanted to bring that bring that up because um these guys right here are the key element of rider success in my in my opinion
0: and first of all my my second question was actually my comment was i really got a, a a gleam in my eye when you said oh i i got these manuals and i took stuff apart and i put it back together and i document it and i'm like I am so glad there are people that enjoy that process. I have a mechanical friend here that, <laughs> hey, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I I take care of my basics on my race bike, but I also have a race buddy who helps me out. And he's like, don't touch it. Just put it in your truck and bring it to me. So the fact that you said that's an enjoyable part, there are people out there that I enjoy agree. that mechanical digging in, I'm not one of those guys. And I I think it's cool to have someone sitting beside me that can say it's really not that it's not that bad. It's oils, it's shims, it's I understand the basics. But that black art that you've mastered over the years, yeah, that's the different part. So I want to dive in, you you're from Minnesota?
3: Yep, born and raised.
0: Okay. So how does one I think of Minnesota, I think of hockey, ice fishing and like four months of summer how does one get into snowmobiling how does one get into motocross in the arctic tundra of the usa you
1: forget that i came from pa and look look at us Uh, i mean yeah
3: he's he's staring down the same thing would you say that when you do ride you go hard for four months because your season is so short Mm -hmm. yeah you do get that break in the winter and stuff like that but you get kind of spoiled in these warmer climates because well we didn't we didn't race this weekend yeah, we, we can, went r- t- we can we race went next we went weekend. yeah we went to the lake it's not a big deal up there district 23 a little shout out shout out uh they go hard yeah. i mean yeah. grants grantsburg wisconsin is the first round it is usually mm, end of march it's a very wooded track there are sections of the track that are still frozen that still have snow on them yep, yep. and the parking lot is full and i'm looking at these people going what are you doing Mm-hmm. you know what would
0: happen if there was a frozen race in florida uh,
1: it would be a state of emergency yeah. yeah there would be no race there would be no race <laughs> we
0: will have, we'll have to till that up because we have to wait for that to thaw <laughs> is that when the iguanas
3: are falling over the trees <laughs> yes yes yes, yep. yes, yes. That.
0: that's that's a little bit more southern than <laughs> yeah.
1: here but yeah. Yeah. we've uh we haven't witnessed it but you, like you get down to the keys and there's iguanas
3: everywhere yeah.
1: and then when they freeze it just it rains iguanas
3: yeah it rains iguanas mm. and, and you know to your extent too of, uh you know what do you do in the winter there's places uh that's well, not the sandbox but uh there's an indoor riding arena and that's the problem it's uh it's worthless through the summer because what are you going to do with it it's an inside riding but come january come new year's eve it's packed oh, yeah. and people are willing to load up the bikes it's 30 below which hate fork seals hate that they get there it's nothing but carbon monoxide and people riding around—it's headaches. They can't, like, can't get enough of this rage speed. and headaches. Rage so and headaches.
1: that's <laughs> that's what that was my off season. We would we'd race all summer. I mean, like he said, you pound it all summer. That is all you do. And then I would gear from we'd go from racing to tearing the bikes down, um, and then straight into indoors. So I would go straight to indoors, and I would blow fork seals like crazy because you're, you're talking yeah. negative we didn't get quite that cold i mean it will get negative 20 wind chills but an average of zero degrees yeah yeah forks don't like that at all
0: their border is is the mounted police so i mean like that's a little different but so in that in that vein you're talking about blowing fork seals let's let's dive into that stuff you're talking about blowing fork seals in the winter now you come down here and it's today at my thermos that outside was was 103 in the sun is there a Is there an equal detrimental thing to fork seals down here?
3: Probably usage. You guys just, just, I mean, you destroy motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen uh, Facebook Marketplace? We're in April. Somebody will have a 24 model on there with 100 hours, and you're like, that motorcycle is shot. (laughs) It needs to be (laughs) fully rebuilt, and you're like, they're not even on the showroom floors in some states. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's just the extent that you guys just ride more yeah the sand the sand is violent um but it's everywhere so get over it but yeah at the end of the day i mean it's more about hours of usage probably down here than anything and it's just these kids just ride and ride and
1: ride i I agree with that our our we race the Dade city series series. Mm -hmm. our season is from january to november yeah so 26 races just in one series and we still hit all the other ones too so it is is constant year-round it never stops these bikes don't get a break like we we break bikes constantly and it's we're rebuilding rebuilding at the track track. we're because they don't they don't don't stop we're up north we shut them down for a month and you go through them and they don't get that up here or down
2: here yeah
3: Yeah. i mean one good thing that i've seen and, and it was one of the decisions that we uh we looked at when we moved the shop down here was you know our motorsports does go in a little bit of a wave you know mm-hmm. you do get some lulls and different things and and it is unique um you know i hear that you're ftr yeah okay? um just starting to do a lot with ftr uh groups actually we're doing an FTR suspension workshop this weekend at our shop that's specific to ftr we're not going to talk about any other suspension but F- uh, xc stuff and uh that was the beauty of being down here was the fact of you know when it gets too hot you guys take a little bit of a break that blends in some of the other markets you know we do do a lot of stuff still with loretta's and stuff so mm-hmm. area qualifiers start ramping up yeah. regionals that kind of stuff it it fills some of those gaps um usually after loretta's most people don't want to look at a motorcycle well as a business no. owner i don't like that so those different areas where all of a sudden guys are like hey it's getting a little cooler i'm gonna start riding again that kind of fills that gap or they're building their bikes in summer you know you guys might rebuild your stuff in summer when it's hot yeah where the rest of the world <laughs> you would think sometimes that everybody's like oh your busy season should be summer winter winter's when yeah. our busiest everybody's Here. got their bikes yeah. broke down so that's yeah i would love to have that 12 months out of the year but you don't get that so you just look at different avenues and different you know applications for your product and kind of go there but florida's been good i can't I can't really say that we made the wrong move. We had the we had the ability to really, I mean, let's be honest. The three largest motorcycle industries or you know, marketplaces would be Florida, Texas, and California. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, California, no, be <laughs> it's just oversaturated, and Texas is too vast. I mean, if you look at Texas from you know, wing to wing, there's there's groups of motorcycle racers that never know each other from yeah. there because it's it's like taking on Canada at times yeah and that's why we've never even done a lot of you know we've looked at expanding into canada from from province to province there's yeah. people that don't even know who they yeah. are so how would you tackle that so florida kind of met all the all the boxes and stuff like that so you know and, and we've been traveling down here for so much and we've done mini o's and stuff for years and years and just so it's like why don't we why are we traveling all this time why don't we just put the shop there and when I looked at you know spots, I looked up Lake County, and it, it was kind of like the Marietta of Florida for motorsports. So mm-hmm. it made sense. Uh, Tavares has been good to us. You know, We found a shop that fit our needs and stuff like that, and we're very close to Baker's Factory or Sandbox or any of the training facilities. So that, that kind of met all those boxes. I get to fly out of Orlando, which is good. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Tampa, <laughs>
0: Tampa's better. Well... You have you have every
1: you'll tourist have to, that you have to
3: sell me on it. I enjoy going on the planes and watching children have meltdowns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. You, you want to take three <laughs> well, with you? <laughs> so, so,
3: so let me let me let me caveat on that one. So when I fly home, our primary home is still in Minnesota. We've got a home here, but our home, you know, my son's still still at home. My daughter's off in college, and so we still have a home there. And it's a different experience getting on in Minneapolis and seeing the sparkle in their eyes. (laughs) The children are so excited to go to Disney. And then when they leave MCO, they're just melting down. The parents are melting down and you just sit there and go. That's awesome.
0: It's the same as going to Vegas. It's literally the same as flying to Vegas. You're you're probably right. And and, and I, I just...
1: <clears throat> if, you, if you've never been to Orlando Airport, literally the people getting off the planes are the happiest people you yeah. ever find. They're running around, so. the kids are jumping around. I mean, we fly out of Orlando, you know, all the time. Yep. So, so. <laughs> you get back home. For us, we're getting home. Like, mm-hmm. thank God, you know. Yep. And we're the happy ones, and everyone's just walking around. They're moping. Yeah. I mean, everybody looks like a bunch of trolls.
3: Got their eight hundred dollar yep. lightsaber in a bag. Yep. 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 Kids yep. are angry. Yep.
0: But no, that's funny that you said that. But you're tr- you're correct. You are kind of in this new southern mecca of motocross and i also think you're close enough now where you are because you've kind of north of that orlando where you can run up to the training facilities that are up out of florida now so you can get there to south of the border and club and those kind of places and also it's not it's still not as far to go there as it is to get across texas yeah so so you kind of it's, it's not a bad place to be
3: no No, it's been good. I mean, you know, the only thing that I've ran into, and I didn't really realize this about Florida, was Florida is really an importer. They're not an exporter of anything. So if you start looking at, like, manufacturing, like bringing in, like, equipment, you know, we manufacture oil. Trucks don't come here, and they don't like leaving with empty loads. So you'll sometimes pay more for trucking costs bringing something into Florida just because they're not exporting. They export, you know. Biggest thing is travel, yeah. you know. So that was the only thing that I ran into with that, and the fact of you know we moved down here, you know what we would call the middle of COVID, um, ten thousand people moving in a week. Yep, it does make it a little difficult when you're looking at stuff too for whether it's a home for an employee or a commercial space that kind of stuff. So we've navigated that, but no regrets you know it's been fantastic and stuff like that
0: so you you kind of i'm 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 assuming here so if i'm wrong correct me i'm assuming you started in with the focus of the motocross and you you just stated you're jumping into the the off-road side those beast of how the equipment is set up except for those very special riders that can bottom out Mm -hmm. off-road suspension that's a different beast how how do how are you having to change your thought process of Oh, I'm used to this. Now I'm jumping into this part of it.
3: Well, it comes down to we had always done whether it was we've always had a an understanding of moto, we've always had an understanding of XC, we've always had an understanding of supercross. It, the difference is now if you want a proving ground for supercross, let's say, we don't have to drive to some fluky track that was built by somebody that had a skid steer on a farm. On a farm. Made out of f- crumbly farm soil, <laughs> mm-hmm. with no measurements of yeah. Supercross. They eyeball stuff. Yeah. Same with XC. We d- we had a limited testing season. Um, down here, it seems like everybody's got a spot they ride. Uh, one of them up by us is called Wiregrass. Everybody goes to it. I don't know if it's more of a public park or what it is, but there's just more to work with. Um, just like a lot of people look at our company and they're like, well. I see you guys do WP. Do you guys do anything else? And we're like, we've always done show on KYB. The difference is, let's say, Minnesota, the Midwest market, there's primarily a lot more KTM. So you're gonna obviously going to tackle more of that stuff. But down here, you can test more. So if you want to really develop something a little bit better for, let's say, a Yamaha or a Honda, that's, that's within your fingertips. Yeah. You don't have to question. You don't have to load up. We go to sandbox testing probably once a month. Me or my tech are only out of the shop for half the day and we're back in the shop so it's not a huge commitment to go there and pull a bunch of information or work with a rider or that kind of stuff and we're right back in our shop so we're spoiled but yeah there are we can talk about the differences and yeah. that's the part that i love talking i mean just like with this workshop this weekend it's hard getting a group of moto people together and xc guys together because they're kind of like magnets they don't always play nice no they don't certain ends <laughs> of them. because they're having uh, they're they're having different issues um, yeah, there are times where like top level XC guys, sorry, they're running moto suspension. Yeah, not running. I mean, we've had the luxury of working with guys like Ryan S- Ryan Sipes and different guys like that throughout the years and stuff. And these guys are running moto suspension. Yep, you do get the, you know, the other side of it when they start putting double A and different letters around the stuff. But at the end of the day, it's an understanding of how it works doesn't really matter as much as the application it has more to do with understanding what you're asking for and how to apply it just like with a little kid they don't know how to explain it but you can just visually see what the things that they're struggling with yeah. let's apply the, the knowledge to it and then we can just we can, we can can solve that problem we just gotta stop for a second lay it out on paper and then kind of work toward it so. if a
0: little kid comes to you and talks to you about hold up because I'm still trying to figure out what the hell hold up is if a little kid comes to you and talks about hold up i want to meet this kid because so can you explain for a, a completely naive guy because that's that has been a key word this year and mm-hmm. supercross is a lot of riders were talking about their hold up in the suspension so all i can picture is it's how firm it is through the stroke until it gets to the bottom and then it, it's giving then it's plushing out so Explain that to me for a naive person that literally rides their bike and for three years rode suspension that was way too wrong for me. So I didn't know any better.
3: Well, when you talk about hold-up, you have to kind of step back and look at it in a couple different ways. So you're mechanically trying to hold up a suspension that's traditionally done with springs, okay? Some guys choose to do it with dampening. Believe it or not, you can set up when we're dealing with modern closed chamber type setups you can have what's called an overpressurized cartridge meaning that it's got little heavier pressure springs what that allows you to do is have lighter fork springs similar to what we do in the xc world we want hold up we just don't want ramp up if you look at if you took a dry erasable board and and laid out a motocross fork to an xc fork the xc fork needs to have more of a, a long linear line to it Because if you give a XC guy a moto fork that has curvature to it, you're going to be hating life two hours into it because it's going to ramp up, ramp up, ramp up. You're going to pump up your arms. It's just, you're going to feel like you have this forgiveness at the top of the stroke, but it's going to get into the meat of the fork and you're just going to be begging for relief. Um, A moto guy would hate that too. uh, A top pro, he needs a certain amount of hold up because they're charging so hard into the corners if they were to blow through the stroke, it's detrimental to them. I mean, all all of a sudden it stops all their momentum and drive. So from a hold-up standpoint, you're basically trying to give the fork just enough position to the point where you can position your body, um, but not to the point where it's hydraulic-y. I always try to tell people, a fork should not feel like a shock. Mm -hmm. It should feel like a fork. A fork can be supple, it can be forgiving on the small stuff, and that's just it there's different approaches to all that suspension um like if you looked at like a ktm off-road setting like what they put underneath their national guys it's it's actually very plush on top only for a few couple inches and all of a sudden you hit a wall of dampening you know for your fast guys they need that a mere mortal will hate that so then we kind of flip the script and we use more of a european type feel like billy bolt some of these guys you notice how you watch videos and you're like my God, is there anything in his suspension? <laughs> There's really not. Yeah. I mean, guys like Coroli are running mm-hmm. extremely light fork springs, but then they'll put an enormous amount of oil in the fork so he doesn't bottom it out. So, yeah, it's, it's not as simple as one application because if we're dealing with a youth model fork, it doesn't have the same. It's an open bath. It's not pressurized. So then you got to maybe preload it a little bit different. Um, even like WP, like a, a cone valve that's the only fork on the market you can actually change your preload and set the sag on the front of the bike everybody else you'd have to take it apart and put shims in there well no one's going to do that so us as tuners we have to actually go in there and do that do that work and when we hand it to you it's already done yeah but that's coming from our knowledge and our testing showing hey this this tends to be the trend this is what most guys are looking for and stuff and you would think that there's a lot of guys that are you know questioning well do you, do you got a specific setup for this? Yep. yep, but at the end of the day, we normally have about a 20-pound window, so it covers you know a little bit of weight gain, a little bit of weight loss. But we're finding 80%. I always tell guys, if I can get it 80% of the way, I've won, I've, I've succeeded, because I, there's no perfect circle. Mm-hmm. So don't expect suspension to be perfect. I, you know, if we were racing on asphalt, I could probably get closer to 100 because I know that that turn is not going to change moto track changes every five seconds yeah so how do you expect me to uh, account for that so we try to get it close and then we use the uh, external adjustments to kind of bring us in at that point but the applications yeah you shouldn't be able to use a moto suspension traditionally for an xc and vice versa you could just don't do anything i get the phone call hey can you do a like a 50 50 blend sure but it's going to be 50% good on one side and 50% good on the other side. So don't expect it to be really good on either one of them. It just means that they're versatile. Uh, We can make it soft for motocross and it might be a little stiff for XC or vice versa a little bit. That's kind of how you have to approach it. That's
0: that black art that I'm talking about. There's so much. And since you're here and we have a peewee dad who's youngin', but you see the kids at the track. And I never even, for the local racers, not digging on local racers, for little kids just get on the bike and go ride but at what point do the little kids start actually feeling stuff not dad saying oh he's kicking in the corner the kid starts feeling it and, and what level of rider do are we talking about are we talking 65s
1: to me kids they might not notice it but so somebody like me that has rode his whole life now my suspension has always been done by somebody like him um i'm not a suspension guy i'm a motor guy so I don't mess with my suspension at all, but, but I can watch like Bowen ride his KTM mini and you can see that bike go straight when he's trying to turn. So we've lowered forks and beyond that is out of my realm because it's helped but they he might not feel that, but you notice those things in kids um if their form's good and their bike's going straight instead of you know, turning into or dipping into that turn then they're either their front's too high or there's some other aspect of that suspension that's not letting them turn um so to me there's as the dad or somebody that has rode kids might not feel it but there's always those aspects there um Mm -hmm. tell me what you think about that
3: well it's funny you touched on at the beginning you said just get on the bike and ride it yeah yeah so as a tuner i do get frustrated because it is comical at times how quickly and it's terrible to say because i make my living doing this stuff i make my living by people sending me suspension how few people just start with the production stuff yeah. um is simple i mean so last weekend being at moto bros and stuff like that or uh, a couple weekends ago i was back home i did a, a clinic up in minnesota just getting someone to roll a stock bike up whether it's a Yamaha 450, whether it's a KTM 65, I'm, I love the grassroots side of it. I love, you know, as much as we love going to big races, it's still fun doing the regional stuff because you get to see, you know, all the different aspects, but someone just rolling up a stock bike and they feel like rock stars because you put the bike on the stand, you set the <laughs> fork tubes, you set the clickers, you set the sag and they go out for practice and they come back and you can just see the grin in their helmets. They're like, God, that was so good. Bike is so good. Exactly, the bike is so good. So let's start there. But sometimes the the parents do tend to go down roads, and I I gotta get all the bikes revalved and stuff like that. No, it's like see. I get it, I get it at times. But there are times where you can actually, and it, and it's it's hard to say, but there's ways where you can jack the suspension by having it modified. It might might have been from someone that just didn't have knowledge of the certain bike. Um, but at the end of the day you can make the bike worse mm-hmm. and then you start chasing these bad habits yeah. because the bike isn't working the safest thing the manufacturer does is they just make it very vanilla that's why every bike write up on any bike is like well you know most of the guys liked it and this and that But you could, you, it's almost foolproof on a stock suspension there's only so, much, so many ways you can make it bad but you can go in there and start drilling holes and adding components that you can make it absolutely a hot trash fire just because now you've taken it out of the scope of what it was designed for and now you don't even know where they, where you're at. And then you get the dads that will come up and we'll have these little workshops and we're talking about making changes throughout the race day for, let's say, a, a youth 85 and up. But you'll get the 50 dad, they'll be like, what should I do in this situation? And I'm like, <laughs> your kid wants to be playing PlayStation in the motorhome. Yeah. Water home. yeah. Put and the helmet on and go. <laughs> I know you, you want to come back with the data acquisition equipment, but the kid just wants to feel safe. And that's one thing I tell people when we're building suspension. I don't, I don't build speed. I build confidence. If you're confident, you'll go fast because you won't be thinking about the bike. But if you are thinking about the bike, whether you're a 450 rider or a kid, that's when you're going to go slower because you're going to think, oh, last time it did this, last time it kicked me here. You know, when I overshot that, it hurt my wrist. That'll make you twist the throttle the opposite way. But if you're comfortable with the bike, mm-hmm. you can go as fast as you want to go.
2: Yeah,
1: so I, I don't agree with building peewee suspension at all.
3: The right Th- springs, maybe. Yeah,
1: but those bikes are designed for those kids. So setting the bike, what it already comes with, is the ideal way to create the form, you know, create the confidence, and progress them as a kid. Building their suspension is not going to help them at all um, at five years old. Five I mean, old. Yep. our five-year-old is not going to notice if I have him revalve.
0: Do you think James Stewart would have noticed?
1: At that age, no. No,
0: he just rode, No, right? He just rode.
1: So my last year of racing in 2013, I had a brand-new 2012 KX250F, the um, yes, SFF fork. Oh. So, yes, <laughs> they, are, they were a terrible design, but that was <laughs> – I will say out of my entire riding career that was the best suspension I've ever felt stock. Cup. They I never changed, I never had that done, I never did anything to it besides we set the bike to me. That was it and it was the most comfortable suspension I have ever felt. Now, fixing them is a whole different ball game. But um you don't always you don't need to do suspension yeah. all the time. If you set your bike to you, then you get that instance like I have a 2020 KX250F now and I hate it. I hate the suspension everything's hard as a rock i've done everything in m- in my wheelhouse that i know of you know moto for play did it yep. um said it to me hard as a rock i hate it like i most time i don't even want to ride that bike but then because I, I, I'm, I'm always still stuck on the the separate function fork where everything was so smooth
3: that's all you remember yeah, yeah. yeah. you know that's the good part i mean in touching on little kids suspension at times when we you know when we were branding ourselves more of a you know suspension ex many suspension experts that's one thing i would try to tell the dads when they would send the suspension in. i'm like listen i can i can promise you it's going to do this this and this Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you know the best thing you can do is have your riders start to get a feel for what actually changed they might not know everything but they'll know subtle things and and that's what i prided myself on the fact i could send a suspension back and say listen I could send it back with the stickers in the box, mm-hmm. not even on the forks. That way there's not this, you know, pre-thought, oh, it's, it's got to be better. It's got stickers on it now. <laughs> and just let the riders come back, and the kids would be like, oh, it's way better. Okay, that's that's my business card. Yeah. It's way better. That's all I need. Yeah, You know, I don't need to... You should
0: brand that. It's way better. I
3: don't want to brand, but it's so expensive.
1: Power band racing, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's way, way better. better. Way better. Yeah, so I,
0: that, that's another question I have is apparently... Well, we're about to get another manufacturer, mm-hmm. but every single one of these manufacturers has a way that they deem best. I'm a Yamaha guy, mm-hmm. the SS, whatever fork that SSS. they, that one that they, yeah. it, it it seems to be very well taken. KTM, in the off-road world, KTM is the daddy of off-road. Yeah. But I cannot tell you how many jokes we hear about the cone valves mm-hmm. and the suspension. And we have some dabbling in air, and you have Kawasaki, and you yep. have Suzuki, and I guess we're going to have Triumph. And yep. I have a question. For, are they, are they engineered, engineered that way for that bike, or is it just a philosophy that they've been doing since 1983, and this is how we do it?
3: I think at the end of the day, it's a relationship. So KTM has ownership of W. Yes all the manufacturers have some relationship and some ownership of whether it's a Showa, whether it's KYB. So let's, let's dive into Yamaha. You know, everybody says the SSS fork is the best fork they've ever ridden. I don't disagree. It's a great fork. But if you put that fork on a Kawasaki 250F, it doesn't feel amazing. Mm-hmm. You put that on a WP or on a KTM. Yeah. yeah. So I think it has to do with the relationship of the manufacturers and the understanding. So let's say KYB has an understanding of a cast aluminum frame. It has to have a certain amount of flex because it's making up for maybe something that the frame and the chassis needs. Vice versa, chrome Molly frame, cone valves, maybe the AER fork is a better fit, The tolerances are different. At the end of the day, everybody's cheating from everybody. You can take them apart half the time, just like the bikes. You take the plastic off them. If you're washing them in a driveway, I can't tell you, unless it's a Yamaha with the motor backwards. I'm sorry, you can't tell the difference between a Kawi and some of the other bikes that have. So it's a relationship. It's it's an understanding of the materials. Uh, The tough part with KTM is many... I I could be wrong, and I'm sure I could get hammered on this. My understanding of KTM was when they came out of bankruptcy, they took a lot of the playbooks from Harley-Davidson. If you look at how harley does stuff with their catalog parts and all that kind of stuff they went hard they created a demand for cone valves like no one's business just like with the track shocks Um, is the production stuff terrible no it's probably the best air fork on the market hands down you know uh, they put the most time into it all the other manufacturers did it for a time and then they got off yeah right so their track track record is gonna be a lot smaller Um, but at the end of the day it's these relationships and how how they develop that demand for that brand and stuff. I mean, people would lose their minds if you saw a show of fork on a Yamaha. They would just think that that's black magic. Yamaha has a good relationship. Is it perfect? No. There's still areas where it's kind of like eh, I'm not a big fan of this. And you know, whether it's Dylan Farandis or any of these guys, they're saying I can't ride this bike. I can't ride this bike. It's preference. It's it's navigating through the subtleness of the bike, and that's. That's what i see is now the technician's job in the year 2023 it's understanding the bike looking at the rider and saying what do you need out of this bike because it can't be just you know cut and play um you know i I'm not, i don't subscribe to the companies that are i call suspension shops they are kind of like ikea they all come with instructions and mm-hmm. extra bolts that that philosophy worked in the 80s when the technology was very poor but the modern bike is very good. My job's getting harder and harder to take a really good bike and make it even better. Yeah. But what I've got the advantage of is the manufacturer can't tackle a hundred and thirty pound girl. They can't tackle a two hundred fifty pound vet guy. So my job's always gonna be safe when it comes to that because there's always gonna be a way I can take a really good product and either increase or decrease or speed up, slow down. Got, I've got wiggle room. And then the other thing is, look at all the manufacturers that aren't XC-based. Yeah. Kawasaki can say they make a cross-country model, but it's a, <laughs> come on. They just added be, a
0: kickstand and a gear. He just Pretty put much. a different
3: dress on that girl. Yeah. So it's the same same old girl. So there again, now you can take a popular bike and tailor it for an XC guy, and you've got a whole another marketplace too. So
0: That brings me to another question. Sorry, this is kind of personal. I race off-road, and I race the 250FX, mm-hmm. which is – sprung geared it is i have a guy i race with who races the 250f i
1: was going to talk about your bike next, and, so. and
0: both of them are they're different they they ride different so my question is let's say i find a 250f can i make it similar to that 250fx or because of the mechanics of the engine and that dynamic the suspension's always going to act different
3: when you're going from two stroke to four stroke, I would say yep. you're taking some equations of like engine break into the, into mm-hmm. the, they're both, the four okay.
0: both four stroke. Let's say both four-stroke.
3: You know, the beautiful part about KTM Husqvarna gas gas. I've had guys come up and say, God, I love my gas gas forks. I hate my KTM forks. Oh yeah. Do you yeah. sell <laughs> you your gas gas? <laughs> yeah. It's in the garage. I said, why don't you put your gas gas forks on your yeah. KTM? I can do that. Uh huh. They came out of the same manufacturer. S- so S- same, same, same bike, rubber, yep. same bike. So, <laughs> A lot of times, people wonder, well, how, how, how can there be so many different settings and stuff? Well, there's a 1,000 settings that, say, that WP comes up with. Work through them. You know, do the math and say, well, how does this apply? Put them in real time and, and put them in someone's bike and go out and test and say, God, this is really good. Yeah. Um, just like with uh, a Kawasaki 450. Let's put the Honda setting in it. It's totally different. It's got a different mid-valve. It's, it, you know, it's got a different compression mm-hmm. assembly, different pressure spring. It's not... I've used this last weekend and i'm gonna use it again uh chad reed will tell me if they didn't want you to change it they would have welded it shut yeah. that's it's a brilliant that's
0: a, that is his philo- that is that should have they should have tattooed that on him with all the changes he made every time
3: mm-hmm. uh, that 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 guy comes into our shop we we, t- we handle his his kids suspensions and stuff and you could sit there for two three hours and he loves sitting there and talking to. I hope uh, you know. I hope we have an equal relationship when it comes to that. But it's that conversation of that that love of development stuff. And you can you can see the back and forth, and it's not skewed by you know. Oh, well, I race for X, Y, and Z, so I can't say anything bad about it. Some mm-hmm. some people are a little too knee-jerk with that stuff. Even you know, pro riders that, oh, so and so does my suspension. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, but we can still have a, a conversation about yeah, that stuff. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. You know, going somewhere. It's just it's just conversation, but yeah at the end of the day it's it's not welded shut try it if it it might feel amazing it might not but you you won't know until you you know we've got a dyno and we've got the ability at times to you know read the suspension but at the end of the day it's 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 your it's your feet on the pegs i don't know how it's going to feel you ride you might ride totally different so everybody's going to be a little bit different so the touchy part is having an understanding of what your application is and and you become kind of a, a cell and we group people in certain areas and you're going okay this is more of a you know 40 plus guy he's a, he's doing this this and this so we can have a, a good base to pull from and then we can build upon it and then sometimes you know i've had riders that have been with me for a long time there's times where we have to go and jump outside what they're used to just so they get a fresh perspective because they've always drank coca-cola yeah Sometimes you got to put a sprite in front of them just so they have a different taste for it.
0: That makes a lot. Of, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What and were you gonna so say about my bike?
1: The I was down at his house one day. I took my bike out. Trey's like, "You wanna ride mine?" Yeah, I'll ride it. Mm-hmm. So he's got the the YZ, and I um I say you know I say my bike's hard as a rock. So he's got a natural whoop section. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, it's turn track down there. I jumped on his bike, made one turn and hit that whoop section fourth gear wide open because it was so comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that's the big difference in, in these bikes. So, you know, his is tailored for outdoors or what, you know, XC. So they say, but um, it, that bike is literally like the softest, most comfortable, but I can't ride a Yamaha. Yamahas are too wide for me. Like I'm a small guy. I'm a Cali or a a CRF guy because there's the build of them. But, that made it somewhat rideable because, like, all my old Yamaha's that I've rode don't feel like that. Right. So now I get on these new what SSS forks, and they're oh my god! Like you can just <laughs> feel the front end just floating, like it, it's fantastic. But I think Cowie has went in the opposite direction, where to me, to me, their suspension is now much harder, much harder to ride, um, and it, it makes such a world of difference in the in the riding aspect of of, of everything. Because oh, Yeah, because yeah. you're, you know, you're riding a hard bike, you, you can't turn that bike properly. I mean, my, I'm so s- tired when I ride my bike because my body language has to be all over the place to yeah. counteract yeah. what's going on within the bike, and I, can't, I cannot get that bike right. Where his bike, you know, I can just jump on and it was comfortable. Um,
3: the only tough part about sometimes when guys swap bikes, I always, you know, you'll have somebody that's been maybe loyal to the brand for a long time, and they'll jump on X, Y, and Z bike, and they'll say, God, oh, Oh, so good. I always tell them, pause. Yeah. Borrow that bike for a week because then they can kind of get more of a perspective of it Because there is, yeah, same thing. You could have thrown, your, <laughs> you could have thrown him on your Kawi and he'd be like, oh, you can have it. Yeah. There are those types of bikes that are out there. But, you know, going back to when you're learning about suspension, you'll take his bike apart. And let's say that's a, just a, a, an SSS fork. And then you start laying stuff out, and then you'll take a Kawasaki 250 up, laying stuff out. And they're not that different. No. There's a different way of how they get to certain uh, points in that suspension, but overall, they're 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 coming from the same platform. There's not, you know, as as much as sometimes even some of the young uh, pro guys, you know, they all idolize whether it's a Jet or you know or a Kenny or whatever it is. They think that there's something crazy inside that suspension, but going back to it, shims, oil, springs, some tubes. Yeah. yeah, that's it. They're not. They're not. I haven't seen a suspension yet that they change the change the clickers on it halfway through the race from a laptop. Unless it's out there, I haven't seen it. <laughs> At the end of the day, yep, yep. Even when we take apart really expensive A kits, whether they're Showa or KYB, there's still a lot of production stuff that's in there. Um, unless you were to take apart a one-off, like like sexton had that one-off you know shock that he had yeah there's probably six in the country and you're never going to look inside that thing yeah. I and mean, you wouldn't want to because there's nothing in there that you're even going to get your hands on to service Correct, him, so yeah. why even talk about it but that's just it but when you start to look at stuff you start to see a trend with how they do stuff um even early on when i was learning you'd get a you'd get a pro circuit bike in and you're just like God, it's mitch payton man this is this is really cool <laughs> Because you'd really, you know, this was your first time seeing it. And then all of a sudden you lay it out next to stock and you're like, that, it's not that different. It's just different right here and here. And then yeah. you start to navigate and you start to see how stuff kind of flows. And then you're like, okay, I get a better understanding for that. Um, then you got to learn how to just apply it because it doesn't apply to just one person. It applies to many people. So, But you have to have a baseline for it. It's like we, I harp on it. Try the stock bike. See how far it would take it now full disclaimer i'm not asking you to go and take a brand new yamaha off the showroom floor and sign up for a1 hmm. i might as well just tell me where to send the flowers because that's what's <laughs> yeah. going to happen yep because um, that's a, just a different world i mean you talk about xc supercross is nothing to be messed around with it's nothing <laughs> you want to see good suspension go watch the d practice at any supercross saturday morning yep you see 10 million stickers you've never seen before and somebody took a crack at trying to make a suspension work and they are fighting that bike because you can't just throw uh, shims at something you can't just buy the heaviest fork springs you could get off of ebay and think that it's going to make that there's a you know we use the term pressure balance Mm -hmm. it has to be that way across that suspension otherwise it'll start to cavitate it'll start to have hydraulic issues parts can break so it's nothing to mess around with so you got to have an understanding of it but at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it's a kyb or a Showa. it can the same understanding can be applied to it and stuff you just got to have an understanding
0: of it correct i'd actually like to dive into that because i think for fans we watch supercross and we if you're a true fan you listen to them talk about oh man there's no way i could ride a stock bike and most people will say you don't want to put a stock bike on supercross is there a way without chalkboards and whiteboards and i'm old chalkboards to explain to us the difference in that setup so if i have a 250f and I'm gonna go to Tampa Supercross, what is happening inside that bike that I'm having to change just to make sure that with the G out and the loads, what's the diff- what's the biggest difference?
3: I'll, I'll do it in terms of the simplest part of if you are looking at a shock absorber. You can turn a shock absorber into a plunger if you overpower one circuit. So let's say you take something as simple as the shock shaft, piston, valving and stuff. You take the production stuff and go, super cross, I can change all these from a a 0.20 thickness to a 0.30 thickness. Okay, that's a fair assessment. But if you go up the line further, you get to the adjuster, right? So now all of a sudden you've got an adjuster that was designed for the previous valving. So now you've got a pressure balance issue there. So you can make it stiff, but when it gets struck hard, that oil has to go somewhere so now all of a sudden you have to have something that's going to give it a certain amount of hold back so it's a slippery slope you might say well i just i can just throw some valving on there that'll fix it no no you got to go into the adjuster now you got to have an understanding of how that adjuster works Um, and then you got to have an understanding of how the oil comes back because if you create a plunger it's just push pull resistance you're compressing the shock collapsing the bladder bladder's expanding shock's pushing spring's pushing it back up that doesn't work you need it to have so much resistance especially if you're you know the hardest part about Supercross is they show you the 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 pretty stuff when the cameras get turned on Mm -hmm. go down there in the morning when they're trying to qualify Mm -hmm. and those whoops are square hay bales yeah yeah (laughs) there's 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 that's why you see guys jumping through them that's why you see guys jumping off the track and riding around them there's i mean i've been at clubs sometimes and we're measuring and there's 12 feet apart and you're going, I don't know how mathematically you make the bike skim that. Well, yeah, it's called third gear, wide open, through yeah. that whoop. So a lot of commitment. You can do big booter jumps all day long. So if you downramp everything, that's great. It's the problem is jumping off, step on, step offs. It takes a lot of energy. That's why the shocks get so hot. Everybody thinks a, a motor sees the most temperature. You, mm-hmm. could, you could fry an egg on a shock. That's how hot it is. Oh, really? Yeah. And then if you throw thicker shims in there, now you're creating more energy more heat so you're gonna fatigue the oil more so even like an xc stuff i'll get a a cross-country shock in my shop from like a a gncc guy you'll go dump the oil outside and we have a very expensive oil it stinks so bad because you've tore the polymers out of that oil yeah that it reeks go dump it outside in the oil barrel because that's how violent that shock that's how hot it's that's
1: i give you props because shock oil makes me want to throw up Yeah. You know, anytime my forks are open, any or shock or any of that, it is disgusting. It makes me want to puke. It's it's some pretty rank stuff. If you, if you get a shock that has worked. Yeah. Because
0: you'll we'll see them hit stuff, and they, I always I always laugh when they like are in the rhythms and their backside like they're not backsiding. they're facing the 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 backside of the triple and the bike hangs up, mm-hmm. and I think I wish people could realize if we went out and did that on our bike we would just collapse
3: it would unload and send you for a ride and that bike just
0: sits and and goes on
3: very uh supercross in essence should be very dead non-animated you have to have a little bit of animation to it meaning a little bit of rebound because you'll and, and you can see at times when teams go too stiff uh in the past you know i don't mean to pick on teams but let's say a star bike You'd see them come off of a, t- a finish line tabletop, take a right hander, and they would just go across some chop on a start straight, and the kid would just all of a sudden like, what happened? He hit the deck. Yeah. Well, it didn't it? C- it couldn't react to that small groove in the track. So mm-hmm. you can go too stiff at times and have it be. There has to be a balance, and I think that's the difference with 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 pro teams that haven't that listen to the rider, and we can go into a lot of detail when it comes to. The experience of dealing with pro guys, their understanding, and, and we're talking about single-digit type guys, their understanding of the of the the bike, and sometimes the lack of um, the teams really responding to that because they're not there to constantly be chasing a setting. They're more about you know, get a goal, meet that goal, move on. They want a bike that's going to be stable every weekend. They don't want to have that bike tore apart every weekend. And this guy saying, well, this guy's bike's working better than mine. They don't yeah. want that. They want to go racing. There should come a time when you have to just, this is the bike you've got. Um, I tell kids that all the time at Loretta's, believe it or not. When we make a setting change at Loretta's, meaning like a, a clicker setting or something, I make them sign off on it. I said, are we in agreement that this setting is what you want? Yes. Because I said, you own it for the next 30 minutes. There's no pulling off. There's no looking over the fence at me going, I don't like the setting. Change it. No, we don't have that ability. So you're going to have to ride that setting. Pro guys kind of have to get in the same problem or the same same, um, scope of it. But if they don't know what to ask for, they get what the teams give them. And you probably heard uh, Carmichael talking about that, how when – I think that was in the – maybe the outdoors they were talking about, him and uh, Stu were talking about how – in their day, the teams would build the bike for them. They'd build around them. Yeah. Now you've got a generation of riders that are being told, this is the motorcycle you get today. Mm-hmm. What do you want to change? Because it's going to be a small scope, but that's it. Because we've got, uh, you know, whether you're HRC and Trey Kennard said, this is a great baseline for you. This is what we're going racing with. Either you work with it or not. That's what you get unless you ask for what you want, unless you can relate to what you want. And there's a lot of times where we've had name people come to us and say, how do I explain what this bike is doing? Because they've really haven't been around it. No, no one, choo- no one's ever shown these guys what takes place. Um, you're not, you're not going to see, unless you're Ken Rockson and you're in the back of the truck watching the guy put shims in the shock <laughs> That's not what takes place on these pro teams. Yeah. You have the teams that go in the trucks. They make changes. They come back out. They put it on. They say, "What do you think?" They weren't involved in that conversation, and I think that's what's missing in our industry. Isn't there's not enough conversation of what's taking place because you have to have a relationship where you're you're what these what you're asking these athletes to do is insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say I enjoy Supercross, but it leaves you a lot of sleepless nights because. There's so much violence going on inside that suspension. Everything has to be right. There's no off day. There's no oh I forgot to tighten that tighten that down or oh I put the moto setting in there when I was supposed to put no. You don't you don't get that yeah. you don't get well, that time off. Well, I, think I think
0: Justin Starling is a great example of that. This weekend, yeah. he did not race this weekend because his suspension did not make it back from WSX, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. He, ended yeah, he, he ended up trying up to ride on, on motocross on stuff, on and stuff and was like, like no. I'm out. I'm out. So he flew to New Jersey to fight with United. I mean, it's a whole different story, but yeah. that suspension in that case was the reason he did not compete. Yeah. A, I, I, and he is a very good rider, but he's at the bottom end of that 450 class. And he said, so that leads me to, you have a youngin'. Yeah. We know youngins from your age to 13 that are trying to get to that showtime. The... the argument on the 250 classes most of these guys don't know how to test Aaron Plessinger will still tell you I don't know how to test but you get some of the old school guys that are like I like this this is my feeling this mm-hmm. is how I feel Chase Sexton has been battling that all year we all made fun of him and he's a millionaire now but how do you as a parent teach your kid what to say to him and how do you as a, as a suspension guru teach his kid what to say that's where if that education started because like me get on the bike jason will ask me all the time what do you feel i don't know is the bike sinking is the bike bouncing i don't know i don't i don't know so how do you teach someone who doesn't have that feel or the language or they just ride how do you teach them well, a what kid, they're a kid at my age you
1: don't teach that no like they but you
0: can start giving keywords yeah, yeah but they
3: have and use that use that term lightly i use it with 450 pro guys and, and 50 riders better or worse because that's the simplest yeah did it make it better or did it make it worse we can always put it back but did it feel better did it feel worse mm-hmm. and then you start working on the terminologies um that's just it you can go down rabbit holes reading articles and Front end lean angle and all—you'll make a little kid just run to the motor home. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. want to deal with you at that point. I want a popsicle. Yeah, I want a popsicle. That's just it. The, these kids are very simple creatures. Um, so how I approach it, and I'm and I'm trying to do more. You know, and we'll talk about it later on about you know different workshops and even like the suspension academies that we're doing now. But even something as simple as I had a, I had a, a, a dad asked me probably a year ago. He's like, "Do you guys have a book?" For suspension and i'm like well what do you mean and he's like well like a book that tells me what to do when i'm at the track and this and that and, and i'd heard that before and we had these you know little bifolds that for years and years we've, we would write people settings down in them mm-hmm. put them inside the suspension boxes you know what would show up when they'd send another set that pamphlet would still be in the bottom so i'm like whatever i'm, I'm done with that but I, I sat back down and i redid one and i'll actually i'm actually going to have them uh they're being printed up right now but so what i see being helpful in the future is one we have an understanding of where the baselines are if you were to call our shop whether you're speaking to me or whether you're speaking to my tech tyler we're going to ask you some general things where's sag at what's your fork height set when's the last time that it was serviced that just gets kind of the ball rolling as far as an understanding of the history of what's going on there so we're not guessing i don't care if it's somebody else's sticker on the forks i need to know some general's start knowing if i can even help you where where you're at but i think if you can start having a rider get an understanding of okay bike kid got a little bit taller we need to adjust the sag i tell parents all the time sag shouldn't have to be overset, and i do harp on that sometimes at the workshops too much because everybody's got a way of setting sag and this and that but at the end of the day unless your rider has gained weight there really isn't no reason to go and recheck the sag So unless you're throwing them on the scale once a week and you're like, yeah, he went up two pounds. Okay. Well then that needs to be accounted for. It's a mechanical spring. It it would benefit from that. But if I've got a dad that's setting sag every 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. there is a great chance they will go the wrong way just from a a mistake setting it because everybody's got their own ways. And I I try to do that at the workshops, show people very meat and potato way of how I set sag. I mean, uh, I don't use fancy digital tools. I use a metric tape measure. It's, it, it works. And at the end of the day, it's better to be close than perfect because you could never get it perfect, but you could really mess it up wrong if your kid was up jumping up and down and all of a sudden you got this funny measurement you're like, well, you cranked the spring down five turns and before you know it, the (laughs) bike feels like trash. (laughs) Well, it didn't feel like trash before you touched it, so let's go back. So the conversation is always about where's everything at? So we created these log books so you could kind of go from track to track, whether you go to Dade City and and you find that this setting works really good. And there's no there is where you can write down notes hey we run sand tires we run this pressure so there's all this documentation and that's what I thrive off of is because now I have a paper trail I operate off of a paper trail because I have an understanding of where it's been you know and what it's gone through and how it's set but uh, the most frustrating thing as a tuner at times is parents will spend thousands of dollars to travel to a qualifier we drove two thousand miles we spent five thousand dollars we get there and my kids sucked and you're like so did you check sag before you got there no when's the last time you bled the air off the forks? i don't know probably when you touched them <laughs> well don't put my product on some pedestal it's only as good as the person that's in control yeah. of it so you spend thousands to get there and you didn't even do the simple things so yeah. if you can do those things your success is going to be much better, but what do, what do they focus on? My kid had a new jersey. They had new graphics. Yep. Because yeah. we were going to a qualifier. And it's like, you put more emphasis on that than you did on the motor or the suspension. You know, it could have used a top end before you went, but yeah, I couldn't get it into the shops. So it'll be fine. Well, then don't expect a different result. Yeah. If, you, if you do everything right, you know, it's like a weight loss program. You can do beach body and lose weight, that's only if you turn it on. And follow through the steps but they make a killing by hoping you buy that video and hope mm-hmm. that you never watch okay. it so so that's where the relationship with dads moms mechanics it's more about we have a, a flow of understanding where stuff's at what's been done and then i can do what i do best is help navigate through those problems
0: so how do you as a parent help navigate that because you do have a five-year-old but at some point he's going to be eight nine and ten and how do you start teaching that feel so there's a a a, a verbiage that he can that it's it's it i'm it's knifing in the front or it's sitting in the re, like how do you start teaching that so that you can then explain it to him because you don't want bowen to try to explain it to him
1: right now i don't because we're focused on form and re- learning to ride the bike so i won't even bring that up because that puts more in his head that now he thinks there's something wrong with the bike and that's what he's going to think about yeah. so, so we don't talk suspension we don't talk about the bike period so if something comes if he pulls off the track and he yeah. said there's something wrong with my bike i'll ask him what it's doing so p w throttle gets stuck that's typical so he'll tell me the bike just won't stop or the bike won't go or that's all that's all i need to know like at this point if if he feels that there's something wrong with the bike then there's something wrong with the bike so we i'll make those adjustments but when it comes to suspension that's not going in his head for a couple more years at least because he has no idea what that suspension even is yeah i could ask him what the suspension is you know, i don't know yeah yeah. you know he's five years old he wants to color with markers and eat popsicles and so play with his friends and pick wedgies i mean <laughs> <laughs> so. yes
0: and not talk you just smile at yeah you know? mm-hmm. so i so let's take it to the example of the young lady that I watched at Dade City the other day, or Carson Wood, Super Mini, yep. 85 kids, they're ripping. They're flying. Do they have a terminology, or is it someone has to watch them to see that bike went into the corner and it kicked a little bit? Do they know that, or they is know that, what is they that expecting know what bike's more? doing?
3: Yeah, so having worked with them, um, we'd gone up to Sandbox, we'd tested with them i would say even at that age and and we were still when he was on ktms actually uh working on some section stuff and even so i guess i I go back even further it has to do with you know what the parents see what they perceive the bikes doing and then we put our eyes on it okay and then we try to navigate through something that might be an issue we get a phone call, hey, he was out at Sandbox and we were in the turn tracks and it was it was kicking right here and here and okay. So you kind of go back through your settings and see where everything was at, show up with your support truck and you're kind of navigating through some stuff, but what happens if it's one bump? I as a parent also I look at that and go, Are we trying to are we trying to make this bike go wide open over this gigantic humped out hole when we can move over 12 inches and it doesn't exist yeah because i understand that you're trying to get your suspension to go through the rough stuff but you're asking a lot out of it for one bump and that's where the slippery slope comes with with parents is i said do you want it to be perfect here or do you want it to be good everywhere else because to me to uh, readjust that bike for that big g out cupped out 450 hole I'm going to have to stiffen up the high speed. I'm going to have to do a bunch of stuff. Well, now all of a sudden it's not going to be very good in the corners. There's 27 corners out there. Now all of a sudden you're going to have a bike that's going to be standing up throughout the corner because it's not squatting, it's not driving, it's not getting good traction. So I said, let's agree that that is a bump. Just a bad bump. We can we can we can always adapt and make stuff better, but if the bike is bad in every area, that's worth adjusting for. But if it's just single a single thing, no, we can move over a few inches. I kind of harp on the trainers at times because the trainers are like, ride through the rough stuff. And I'm thinking, you're not much of a trainer because if you watch half those pros, there's a reason why they put markers on the track. They're trying to find the smoothest line because they know if, if they can find a smoother line, they could run a softer suspension that makes them last longer. But if you want it to be a bull in a China shop, guess what? It's going to be stiff. It's going to be, it's going to be very tiresome. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be able to charge as long as you are. So, that's where that kind of goes back and forth and it it gets a little bit easier later in 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 their years uh the riders and stuff like that but i will caution and this happened many years ago when i was a a young business owner and stuff like that and when you start to get these high profile riders and let's just say he was a suzuki kid and he knew that he could come off the track and if he had a bad moto suspension wasn't working wait a minute you won the last two motos five seconds ago, but you you didn't you took fifth this time because you got a bad start. Yeah, bike's just not working. And mom and dad would march over to the truck. He says it's doing this, this, and this, and I'm thinking. And as a young business owner, you're like, absolutely. Let's uh, let's change sag. Let's do this. Let's do. Yeah. And you just start chasing your tail around. You have to just kind of pause and say, okay, the track has changed a little bit. We're going to adapt a little bit here and there, but like you worded earlier just get on the bike and ride it because we can't always have it perfect yeah we can make it good but it can't it it can't it can't do everything right every time yeah just like i don't ask that out of a rider it's like what happens when they they come off the track and all of us industry guys it's so funny how everybody thinks that the industry is bigger than it is all the suspension guys talk to each other all the motor guys talk to each other we all know that everybody outside the top three at Loretta's is driving home on that Saturday they're firing their trainer their suspension guy their (laughs) motor guy we're gonna get Kawasaki's and we're not gonna wear fly anymore we're gonna get FXR yeah does anybody have a mirror in the truck that we can just flip around and say what about you what if you just weren't fast enough to beat these other kids it's not that your equipment was inferior it's just that kid you know look at this year It was mud race if you were a mud rider you succeeded uh my younger brother we both raced he would destroy me in mud i hated mud Mm -hmm. but he would flop around like a duck in mud and he was so fast in mud i hated it there was nothing i could do about it because i just didn't like mud so that's just it we can make it better but we can't always make it perfect so let's let's get our understanding of sometimes we just have to ride what we got sometimes it's muddy out there we're just gonna have to ride but just keep it simple because I think uh, young parents they complicate stuff so much, and usually they usually figure it out. You could probably contest this. You figured by the time you figured out PWS, he was off PWS, right?
1: I mean, we're still on them, okay. but I got but them.
3: There'll come a time when you you know how to clutch oh, it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect! Yeah, it'll be perfect. And then he at moves on point. to a yep. junior bike, and then it's a learning experience. And then he's on a senior bike. Yep. Your last year is always your best year because you've usually figured out the bike. You ride. have it
1: all figured out. Like we, like I said, I, I pull the PW apart every week at least you know we're finishing out this year we decided we're going to race it next year too so next year will be a good year you know because i'm i pretty much have it dialed in at this Mm -hmm. point but then we're we're on to the ktm mini too which that's a whole learning process those things are a nightmare to begin with so So i'm learning that while i'm still working on the pw then we'll be jumping up to seniors yeah it's just it's a never revolving door but as far as the complaining about bike setups and all that stuff i think the industry has kind of went that direction where if the guys do have a bad day like i know i know i always had bad days riding there's yeah. they're not all going to be good there's going to be something out there that's going to screw you up but i think that a lot of these the pros even the amateur guys are going to they're blaming the bikes so much more because it's like there's such such a technical aspect now that you know people know more about bikes you know, we we got all this technology we have this and that all this feedback from these bikes now so we also have a way to blame the bike for the all the problems yeah. and it, it seems like you get more and more of that of that's uh, the bike we need to do this to the bike we need to do that to the bike and these guys are constantly changing bikes and we're never changing the mentality of the rider or we're not yeah. switching lines or we're not, we're not accounting that these supercross tracks are just totally gnarly mm-hmm. you know they're they're nothing like they used to be um we None of that's getting taken into effect. It's always, always the bike. That's what, about, what, that's what and it seems and like.
3: What about all the fangirls yeah. that these guys employ to be around them all weekend? long? Exactly. Like the dis- I mean, the, the distractions the, the, are the everywhere. The hype up guys that are like, man, you were out there killing it and this and that. And it's like.
0: <laughs> were you? So, <laughs> were you? Yeah. On the, on the conversation of <laughs> suspension, we've gone from mono shocks to from right side up to upside down. We've had air. We've got part of the fork is one-sided and it's you know what what are some changes that may be coming down the pipe towards because i i feel like the bikes are so good now like i don't know what else we can do to them so what do you see in the industry that is something that's coming down the pipe on either shocks or forks that we're are we going to get it's going to be gps adjustable every corner
3: I would say the industry is leaning toward cost. Everybody wonders, well, why does WP run an air fork? It's cheaper to make. Yeah, it's yeah. One, it's one-sided. It just fits everything. Um, you're going to see more and more of that, I think, because I, it's almost like our technology is very advanced. Um, but it's interesting when you talk about technology. I got the I got the chance to probably 2018 we were out in california at a winery beautiful place but we were out there for a wp uh, kind of a conference and i got to actually talk with the president of Mm -hmm. ktm and i got to talk to some of those guys and they'll flat out tell you we have more technology but we don't own the rights to that technology if you look at the automobile industry they buy up all the patents on all the technology. So you can't buy that technology because they own the rights to that technology. So self-adjusting and some of these things, they're out there. They just can't apply them because you couldn't afford to get the patents for some of that stuff. So from that standpoint, um, your Yamaha, for example, the AOS fork and SSS fork, there's sometimes I can't even tell you what the real difference is besides maybe some diameter of some stuff. It's still a cartridge that is pressurized. You still have springs. You still have spring perches that control oil. Uh, You have adjusters. But that's it. I mean, unless you're going to go down some crazy rabbit hole, which would I just don't think the the, I'll give KTM credit when they use the term ready to race. They do tend to put racing at the forefront. If you look at the Japanese, they are spreadsheet people. Mm -hmm. It's about numbers. It's about what makes sense. How long is the tooling going to last? You know, How long can we run this before this needs to be changed? They're looking at uh, return on their investment. KTM doesn't approach it that way. They just say, well, we're going to win on Sunday and sell on Monday, which was an old-fashioned mm-hmm. approach to it. Um, I caution them. It wasn't that long ago they went through bankruptcy yep. with that philosophy. Uh, I haven't got a chance to go out to that new...
0: Oh, the new center?
3: The new place. Yeah. But my understanding is it's all based upon racing there's no r&d for consumer stuff there that i'm aware of so they might have some r&d and stuff for the racing side but what's the r&d side for the consumer uh and then you have a company that has and and don't get me wrong yamaha and all of them have their their issues with being owned by you know japan that kind of stuff austria still has a huge say in stuff so that's sometimes even a problem for the u.s riders um Aaron Plessinger, whether it's Coop, whether it's uh, Marv, their settings sometimes are coming from Austria. Austria has a say in their settings because that's what they've tested over there. Even though Austria is not doing Supercross, they still have a say in what they see and what it looks like. Whether a 52-millimeter fork works or doesn't work for a young Mm -hmm. rider, this is what you're getting. This is the bike you're going to ride. I'm sure if you ask Caden Braswell if he came in here, big difference between his TLD bike to the HBI uh, bike just yeah. because yep. of, there might have been stuff on his bike he didn't want to run. That's shit. You're going to have yeah. to ride that bike, because that's what the bike Austria has presented to you. Yeah. So. And we
1: we talked with Matt about that. Yeah. Um
3: yeah, I enjoyed that podcast. Yeah,
1: Matt wants to try to formulate those bikes to be a little bit more comfortable to what they're used to, but also get those riders to understand that we can't give you what you had. Um, so there, there's a fine line there. And, but like you said some of those bikes are just way over the top like you don't need half of the shit that's on there right so uh, i think
3: i well think what do you do if there's a rider that didn't like his amateur bike now you threw him on that pro yeah bike, and he doesn't know how to talk his way back off that yeah He's just like you know i, I loved i love this part of it but i can't I, there's there's just no change in it they just go through the motions and hope that their talents can take it back yeah.
0: that. and that's where i that's where i say that education component where it is sad like car racers. Car racers go through that. Yes, there's... But cars depending on how the power is delivered and the braking pressures and mm-hmm. yeah. they're racing to numbers where motocross guys are like literally avoiding bumps or hitting bumps depending on what they're looking for the field. Car, race car drivers are driving off of a data sheet that they say you need to be 85% throttle at this point in the corner and they're like dude, I can't pick that up right now. I can't. I'm getting too much lean or... Yeah. And, and they have to learn how to be Almost testers in the cockpit, and I've yet to understand why motorcycle racers are not that in tuned to that part of it.
1: Well, from a a professional standpoint, I think you know, you you give me a pro circuit bike, it's gonna be, it's gonna feel amazing. You know, it's a but is it? It's a gnarly bike. It's I'm not gonna like it. You're probably not, but the the riding like for me to ride it, I'm gonna be able to go out there and ride that bike. I might there's going to be things that I probably don't like about. It. I'm not used to it by any means. But these are professional athletes. They should be able to you should be able to pull them off a Lamborghini and put them back in a Mustang, yeah. you know. If you label yourself as, as a professional athlete, you should be able to ride any dynamic a bike. Yeah. And but we've we've talked on this podcast before is I also think that they're getting way out of hand with these bikes. Yeah. It's it's not an even playing field. Right. A- at this point the the bikes are out of control when it comes to factory bikes. Like there there should be a set standard of how how far these bikes can be built. I mean we got Pro Circuit that's putting double injectors in their bikes yeah. and pulling so much horse out of these bikes that's insane. You got Starry Omaha that builds one of the fastest two fifties on the the fastest two fifty out there. So and it's so secretive. You know, we we talk about this every week, I swear, that it's so secretive. It shouldn't be. It should be a widespread like Everybody runs the same bikes, yeah. or you know, if, if Pro Circuit's got the the opportunity to have this technology. Well, then HBI should have that technology too. They're running yeah. they're running Cowies, so to me, it should be Cowie that dictates, you know, what these kids are on. Um, but yeah, to, to pull a, to pull a pro back down from a Lamborghini to a Mustang, so going from Pro Circuit to, to HBI is is a huge downstep. But I also think it's going to evolve them as a rider. Um, there's, it's, it's so controversial. So I mean, it really is.
0: Let's take that back to, to Billy here. You do suspension. Mm-hmm. Are there components that you cannot get?
3: There's certain aspects of them that might be um, unique to the design, or maybe it's a bigger size. You know, uh, a 52-millimeter cone valve fork, instead of having a standard 23 piston in it, it might have a 25. There's no right or wrong. It just happens to be what the manufacturer put there. But what I would touch on with the amateur side, and I've heard this before where, you know, sometimes guys are like, well, oh, man, if you gave me a pro circuit bike, and I'm like, to an extent when it comes to some aspects of it. Correct. But I do the same even with testing. I do get pro teams that will approach us in, in different levels and stuff like that. And one, I ask them, what's your, what's your price point? Yeah. And two, who are we working okay so i tell guys straight up if a single digit guy comes into my shop we have the potential of being on a podium that means that there's going to be more work applied because we know that that athlete is going to put more work into it because of their craft if you have a 20th spot guy maybe a production set of forks that are set up correctly is what that rider needs you can hand them that ten thousand dollar set of pro circuit forks Mm -hmm. and shock doesn't mean that they're they in their minds they think well if i have that i can go faster well if i handed it to you for a day doesn't mean that it it has to do with more being comfortable a perfect example and and kudos to matt's team this weekend masterpool's bike looked great and i don't do his suspension but the guys out in california that help him out did a good job and it maybe was something that they stumbled upon maybe his stuff wasn't stiff enough for supercross Last year, but that setting worked great for that event. Um, Braswell stuff, same type of thing. There comes different stages where you need different stiffnesses. Just like when we approach Supercross testing, we know that what we start with at A1 doesn't mean it's going to end up in Atlanta mm-hmm. because yeah. the soil is going to change. Riders are going to get faster, they're going to get more comfortable, that kind of stuff. So sometimes we'll start off soft, we'll go a little bit stiff because the riders like I'm going fast you find out they're really not going that fast <laughs> and then you kind of tailor it back a little bit and then you find a sweet spot and then that's what you start with for the following year as long as the chassis didn't change um but that's just it the bikes are so good they're so technological yeah. i've heard honda talk about this mapping thing with jet spike you watch the drone footage of that start i'm like how is this possible mm-hmm. it doesn't come off the starting gate like a top fuel dragster but it's five bikes ahead, mm-hmm. halfway through, and you're like, y- if you're a, a if you're a physics major, you can look at his body and say he's not being ripped off the back like he's on a CR 500. What are you doing to that drivetrain that's making that thing make yeah. such perfect power? Yeah. How do you, how do you? I don't know how the next generation is going to be able to compete with that. I mean, I see a reason why most teams try to go 450 because you can just run a 450, detune it maybe a bit, and it works. Good luck with the 250. I wish Matt all the luck with all the parts you're going to have to buy to make that fire-breathing dragon mm-hmm. out of a 250F. It's tough. Yeah. It and really that's
1: th- that's where we're at with our rider, Rylan Munson. Okay. Um, we sponsor a privateer rider. Um, we just made the news on that, but he's a 250 rider, and he trains 450. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were talking about last night. Is where does the the cost come in or, you know where where does the funding come in to build that 250 to make it competitive you know to turn it into a fire-breathing dragon because you have to a 10, a 10 do it fire breathing yeah dragon. Yep. you know yep. and not buying a new bike every week because you're just totally dismantling the thing every time you go out on a track mm-hmm. and he, you know he brought in his perspective that he likes to train 450 just because of the cost of just running a stock 250 and he changes bikes every year because of just the sheer hell that he puts that 250 through so it's what you were saying about what what do you think suspension is going to evolve to in the next you know the forecoming future you know it can only get so advanced but can it because look what they're doing to these bikes they're they're turning everything so technical that it's literally all computerized i mean
0: um, well, they're mapping the starts. They yeah, literally have an ignition, hit this Hit this RPM, the bike won't go in. It's like the uh, retarder when a pit lane limiter, when they go into the races, yeah. and they literally come in full throttle, and all of a sudden you hear the car going, Barrr. well, they're just on the rev limiter because yeah. they can't go any faster. Yep. And that's what they're doing to the start, and all of a sudden it's like, his bike's dropping into that slot, and he's gone. It just well, guess takes. what? I can't buy that for Ryland. Right.
1: No, and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rylan can't buy that for yeah. Like that's that's the kind of thing that, the sworn secrecy that nobody's ever going to yeah. know what's going on with oh, that yeah. bike but, but I think, I think that they, they, these bikes, these suspension motors, 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 doesn't matter, they're going to evolve more yeah. you know we, we they come out with a, an EFI bike and we were like dude that's the coolest thing in the world so now you're riding a 250 that felt like an old carbureted 450 yeah. so next thing you know we're like wow oh, they can never make a fuel injected two stroke yeah. well sure shit they did yeah, yeah. You know, now we're mapping bikes on computers. Yep. And you, you think back five years, well, that'll never happen. Here it is. So,
0: well, it's like you talked about MotoGP. I mean, the road versus the dirt. Mm-hmm. MotoGP, they are, those bikes now, we have lockdown four starts. Yeah. That bike hydraulically lowers. lowers. They take off. It rises. They hit a certain corner. There's this pressure. There's, they go to this corner. And, and I'm like, if they can do that on the road bike side. What's to say they can't do it? We all know the first turn at Glen Helen is Talladega. Well, I can pretty much map my bike for that. I can map my bike to go up the hills. I can. I know the bumps change, but the pressures that they may feel. So,
3: But it's a small scope I would touch on. So if you're looking at road racing in general, when you're talking about all those different applications, it's all very um, low-speed situations. So but you're in a smaller um scope as far as what the what's being asked out of that suspension Mm -hmm. Uh, can you imagine what's being asked out of a suspension to squat off of a start and then have weight transfer in a corner and then by the way i just launched 50 feet down the hill and i've just came into braking bumps that are the size of concrete markers at a parking lot it it would have no idea what to yeah
1: you know there'd have to be an algorithm involved to make that happen and that's it's almost physically impossible to do that. But as a suspension guy, do you see a, an automatic whole shot device ever being in implemented? Because we got the whole shot devices that you know we auto lock or manually lock down right now. But could they ever bring that in to an automatic standpoint? Because you know you disassemble these yeah. things.
3: Uh, I mean, I've looked at the technology they use on BMWs. Yeah. So they have self-adjusting handlebars, and mm-hmm. I've asked WP, hey, can we apply this? This is a forty-three millimeter fork yeah it's just you'd have to source the parts a little bit differently yeah. and stuff and then you have to find an application or a, a market to sell it in and stuff like that yeah um <laughs> you talk about technology and i don't mean to laugh at people but years ago i was getting so frustrated with some of these 50 dads and stuff mm-hmm. like that and i told one of the dads because they were always wanting to protest the dad and stuff like that and this was probably 10 years ago i said do this for me i said take an old cell phone charger cut it off and stick one of it in the cross pad and then come up to the starting gate, plug your phone in, rev it up a few times, scroll Instagram a little bit and then rev it up a little bit more and unplug it. And you watch the 50 dads just lose their <laughs> minds because they think there is something there uh, the that's mind. not there, but that's just it. It humbles them at times, oh, but man. they think, I mean, I've, I've gone underneath buddies, PWs and turned clickers that don't exist. Watch all the 50 dads go, Honey, uh, go get me a screwdriver. Yeah, we
0: gotta
2: do this. We gotta are, do this.
0: Are, are they locking down? Please tell me they're not locking down. 50s on the line. They have a whole there, shot glasses on uh, uh, 50s. 60, 65s. They do. There's, there's yeah. 50s with yeah.
3: them. The no. seniors. Yeah, Cobra seniors and K. Oh yeah, seniors they're
0: seniors. locking them down. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm not a PW dad or or a P week dad, so like all Listen, that is. I will tell
1: you me. the the PW class is probably one of the worst classes you'll see for all of the stuff that he's talking. That's about. why
3: they. That's why most PWs get sold and bought usually the week of Loretta's because if yep. you're if let's say you're aging out, that's your job to go and buy that fast fifty. That just I laugh when I watch a PW going down the start straight at Loretta's wheeling through foot deep mush, and I'm like. That bike won't do that in a parking lot. Yeah. How is it doing right now with a 70-pound key yeah. on it? Yep. Yes, they've done everything physically possible that motorcycle. To make. Yeah,
1: and I will like, I will tell you our <laughs> P-Dub is not a
3: stock But that's all you P-Dub. have to work with. But you're not, not going to blitz a set of whoops with a P-Dub No, P-Dub. So you're not. You need not. to get out front. And that's why I would say like when you talk about like the race engines and stuff, that's just it. I think Caden, like someone like Caden's ability, he's a good supercross rider yep yeah. he's got a lot to learn at times he didn't come from that background but he needs to start up front for him to get a feel for that yeah if mm-hmm. you're fifth to 10th guess what you're taking trash lines you're taking risks trying to jump you're trying to block people you're being ambushed from behind you're eating it's, roost, You're eating I mean. it's not a fair assessment so if you could start up more toward the front that's where that ability of that fast motor comes yeah. into
1: play. But like I said, I think some of those some of those guys would it would do them good to be on a slower bike and actually learn their ability and not yeah. the bike's ability.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But oh, yeah, it's that that amateur side of it. That that's been from other podcasters who have said, how do we know actually how fast some of these kids are? They're on the best bikes. They don't know actually how fast they are and then they come to the pros where everybody's fast. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm fifteenth or twentieth. Yeah. And what happened? Yeah. So I got a question for you. Power band racing. Mm-hmm. You're you moved down here. You've made the jump. You are a true entrepreneur. Who are we working with? Are, are there people that you're working with that we're allowed to know, or are you behind the scenes secret in all forms? I know off road. I've heard your I've heard your name some. Yeah. Um. Uh, love to love to know who you're who you're working with. If you're allowed to say,
3: at the end of the day, I mean, we're we're just a nine to five business that loves helping you navigate through a problem. So whether or not you race for X, Y, and Z team, or whether you're a fifty dad, every day is just navigating a problem. The toughest part with our industry is there is turnover at times, but you know, for like for our product we are known for our wp stuff so you'll tend to see more of the orange brigade kids running Mm -hmm. our stuff um it's not that i don't do kawasaki 85s i've done them in the past i manufactured linkages for them i've done everything but it comes with trends so if you think about a kawasaki 85 maybe some people are more like oh i ran uh, pro circuit or something like that Mm -hmm. um just like i have a good product for yamaha 85 there's just not a lot of people that run yamaha 85 so so it has more to do with you know just the market share and what you're really going after Uh, we've actually gotten away more um, away from the youth model stuff just because there was such a demand for the big bike stuff Um, so i like the fact that we're regional we're national but we speak suspension. We have an understanding of suspension. I love doing shows like this. I love doing workshops. You can't bullshit your way through this type of stuff. You can read a bunch of articles and pick up a bunch of catchphrases because you heard so-and-so's podcast and he's talking about this and fumble your way through it, but I don't have, there's no mothership above me. So I started this business. When something, even today, we had a shock that had an issue out oh, testing and stuff like that, the buck stops with me. But at the same time, I'm the one that has to develop the settings. I'm the one that has to think outside the box and go, okay, this is, okay, let's, let's just draw this out. Let's figure out how this is going to work and, and what we've, you know, proven on this application and how are we going to make it work here. That's how we approach everything, and I think that's where our success comes from because one of the... the cooler parts of what would have been probably two summers ago i'm sitting in my office and i get a call on my phone from a california number hey billy this is davy milsap hmm. oh, that's cool hey dave how are you and he starts talking about and this is when the uh the bbmx team or rocky mountain yeah, team yeah, yeah. they had that uh issue going from supercross to motocross and we kind of talked through a couple things that they were looking at, you know, and, and once again, I'm first and foremost a business owner. So I'm always looking at my bottom line. How is this going to benefit my company? How is this going to, you know, I'm not just here just to piss money away. If I'm a, I want a return on my investment, if I'm going to put the work in, I want a return on my investment. So I kind of talked to him about a few things and we eventually got some things worked out. But what I pride myself on was we had at the time, Benny Bloss, and Freddie Norton. Those were their two riders. And Benny had a history with the team. Freddie was new to the team at that point. But what was fantastic about that whole thing was we were able to... We had the... That team never had such a good year. And everybody thinks that, oh my, you guys must have been out testing every day. Zero. We started with a setting. Yep, we... We didn't have the luxury. You know, obviously Benny's being from, you know, Oklahoma area, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Freddie was out at, uh, I think, Club at the time. Yeah. So they're not on our doorsteps. Um, so and they to, are
0: two completely different riders. Completely different.
3: But what was good about it was within one or two rounds, they were comfortable. And even the team owner at the time said, you don't understand – last year at this time we would have already been on our fifth and sixth revision trying to find something they're happy with these guys were top tenning on settings that were just baselines to start with so that's what I would tell anybody that's becoming uh, into their own realm as far as the suspension guy and stuff know your worth but at the same time just step you know just work on what you know don't don't inflate it because they're a double digit or a single digit guy these guys all put their pants on the same way in the morning at times you know more about what the bikes do than they do so mm-hmm. yep. you know treat your craft the way it is figure out work 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 through something yep there was some revisions in summer but the funny thing was we reverted back because they thought they needed something else because they might have seen something else well i want to try an air fork i want to try because we had cone valves and track shocks But at the end of the day, these guys were top-fiving on settings that weren't that crazy. We just had a good balance. We had a good working relationship. We didn't even get to go to all the races. We only went to three, four races. They had to pay us, you know, they were paying us to go to the races and be consultants. Dude, I ate granola bars and drank Mountain Dews in the truck half the time. There, there, we weren't changing shock settings <laughs> at Southwick. We had the bikes good. Yeah. So I pride myself on that, and that's kind of how I approach stuff. And I don't do it from an arrogant standpoint. I'm a very humble person when it comes to it. I love getting my ass kicked in the realm of business because it makes me put my thinking cap on. I, I'm never going to be just like, well, that guy just must be smarter than that. That guy's got a, a degree here. That guy's, That guy's been doing this for a long time. No, it's just, it's it's having a relationship, understanding the rider's needs. You know, you could you could take me to any pro-am race, and I could walk up and down that starting gate, and I could find some way of, of improving that person's ride, whether I did the work or not, just by having an eye and an understanding of what I'm asking for um, that they don't always get. Sometimes these top-level, you know, I shouldn't say top-level, let's call them medium pro-am guys. Mm-hmm. They, all they know is what's underneath them. Yeah. So they might not even know how to explain what they were dealing with, but you can sometimes go over there and make a few adjustments and they're astonished. They think, they think you're some wizard. And it's like, no, I just, I saw an, an issue. I saw a problem and I ha- came up with a solution for it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so when it comes to top level people, amateur kids, I enjoy working on all of them. Um, there's really nothing that's outside the scope. You know, we have a machine shop there, you know, we're a small group it's me and uh, me and Tyler uh he's been with me for quite a few years and stuff like that we can can control our environment um and yeah we just build upon but we don't we don't we don't take on something that we don't have knowledge of yeah you could bring something to me you could bring me a moto gp bike and I'm sure I could look at it and understand it and go okay well this this right here and this right here would apply but it's not that's not my forte um just like with the XC stuff and the FTR stuff. It's getting an understanding of enduro suspension because the old philosophy was gut it, make it as soft as possible and just deal with it. Well, no, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, up by us, we've got that wiregrass thing. It's half a mile of whoops. That's moto. That's not yeah, XC. Yeah. But you're still asking the same thing out of the suspension. So it's just getting an understanding. Like I said, I hate to harp on it, but finding, you know, coming up with a solution for a problem but then I'll I'll flip it and say we don't create we don't want to come up with a solution for a problem that didn't exist so we don't do crazy stuff without proving that it's right before we just don't just throw it in there because there are some tuners that they might see something cool online they're like dude dude this new linkage you got to get it the poor consumer is just doing the R&D for that guy I don't like doing that if I'm gonna do something I either own it myself or I purchase it myself, um, and I'm going to do it under controlled environment at mm-hmm. that point because that's the safest place to do it. Yeah.
1: So, so we we covered all of these bases. I want to get into get into this before we close it down here. But um,
3: are we already done?
1: No, not yet. Okay. But we talked about um, some workshops. Uh, you and I yeah. talked on the phone. So what do you what do you have coming in the future?
3: So this Saturday we're actually doing one of our first workshops. Um, at our shop in Tavares it's uh specific for a certain group which was the FDR uh FTR group um no affiliation with the FTR themselves it's more just yeah, you know, yeah. focusing on it's you the title
0: of the line. organization right. you, yes yeah.
3: yes the plaque people um so we wanted to come up with some way because we field calls all day long we get guys hey man you gotta you gotta come out here next time and this and that we try to navigate through that stuff but what I'm finding is I have the ability to get people kind of one-on-one and, and work through things that we've always field calls you know somebody will call up and say the bike does this and this so what I'm doing is just turning around and telling you what I've been told is a problem and I'm just trying to help you navigate it and for like a workshop like that that's going to be like a two three hour workshop You might say that's long <laughs> we could go four or five hours if you really wanted yep. to we just have to kind of tailor it to understanding what things are where they're located, what they do, and how to improve your day. I mean, that's that's kind of the catchphrase I'm using. Is you're just getting the most out of your day. Of you know, mm-hmm. if you are prepared when you go to the track, you're gonna have a great day because you know you've done all the te- steps. You've got a logbook. I joke with guys: get a notepad, get something. Don't just rip a hunk of cardboard off of a pair of grips that you just put on and you wrote down, "Hey, I, I did this." No, get get some get some data behind it because. What happens if you change stuff? Let's say you went up to uh, uh, Virginia and did a an XC event and changed a bunch of clickers and you made it great, but now all of a sudden you came back down to Orlando and the bike's kicking you. Well, did it magically turn itself back? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, because y- y- yeah. you didn't. You didn't put it back to where it was. So that's where I kind of, you know, it's fun. I get to have the mic and I get to, be- you know, kind of beat them up a little bit. But mm-hmm. really give people an inside look at what I'm looking for and. It, and I and I don't use these workshops as like a plug. I'm not, hey, I also sell a kit. That's not what that's about. I'm not there to bash anybody's stuff. I'm just there to help you navigate through an understanding of it. Because the more that you understand, the more you can relay to me. The more you can, your son or daughter can relay. So it just it it, it speeds up the process of solving problems. Um, and then you know, so we're starting to do these workshops and stuff. We've done them at tracks which are a little bit different to do but still the same philosophy just this one's going to be at our shop. You know, and the other thing was and I've been thinking about this for a while and, and as you can tell I'm, I'm passionate about suspension. I love every aspect of it. I love and I'm still, you know, I love love to learn, but I do love to teach. I mean, that's some of the the most enjoyment I've ever get at times is showing people how stuff works and they don't even realize how simple some some things are, but they make them more complicated. We always do that. But I thought about all these guys that god i just i wish i knew more about suspension i wish there was something like that and don't get me wrong there are there are companies that do offer schooling but they're schooling based upon an understanding of their product you know so century 21 right Mm -hmm. they have a way of training their agents this is the paperwork we use this is how we do filings my wife was a realtor at one time so I'm, i'm very familiar with filing these deadlines and DocuSigns, oh, I get a cold sweat just thinking about it. Because <laughs> I, I tried to help, but I was, I was no help.
0: Hey, my wife was here yesterday, and poor poor woman, we're trying to enjoy ourselves, so and she spent an hour on the phone with a customer. Yeah. So trying to save a deal. So I, we, I, I live this life.
3: Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's a process, right? Yeah. And a lot of these companies that do offer this schooling have that approach where it's like, don't worry, we've done the testing, here's the product, put it in, it'll work. Can subscribe to anything, but I call bullshit. <laughs> so I looked at it going, well, when I was a young man, taking apart my first shock. If you take, uh, Honda was probably one of the few, one of the only ones that actually did some illustrations in their stuff. But how they were showing you how to bleed a shock, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This, why would why would you why would you fill the bladder with oil and then you're doing this? and later in life i realized that was a terrible way of doing that but that's all that was there unless you stumbled upon somebody bleeding a shock in motocross action that was it and that's where i looked at it saying i want to create a type of schooling that allows people at a base level to get an understanding of what's taking place so i could take either of you even with you saying you have limited mechanical knowledge i disagree because once you see how something comes apart The process for putting it back together and what to check out that is you know worn out and stuff uh, you'd be astonished at how easy it was and it applies to everything um a yamaha 85 shock is no harder to bleed than your kawasaki 450 shock Mm -hmm. might be a little bit different a couple things here and there but it's the same premise and then what that allows you to do is see the parts that were worn out um a four thousand dollar set of cone valves there's a $7 piston band that wears out in those forks. $7. That's nice. $7. Yeah. Just put a new band in there, and it's... It the, the fork will decrease the compression by 30%. $7 band. Hmm. And there's no better material. It's a wear part. It's like asking a 125 ring to regenerate itself. Yeah. But you know what it's like. If it loses compression, it won't start. Well, suspension's the same way. So I want people to have an understanding of it. And then when the guys and gals that have more knowledge of it and how things work, you know, we came up with more of an advanced course. And that's when we get into kind of the the real meat and potatoes of how something works. Like we can take apart, and and, and just to go back to on the um, entry-level course, what we're going to do is we're going to do three days of taking apart forks and shocks. But what's different about our academy is I have suspension benches. You're going to go over to these benches and put an apron on and rubber gloves. You're going to repeat what I just showed you up in the front of the classroom. So then you get a real-world feeling of it, a, a point of view that you're like, oh, that's how that feels when you're bleeding a shock. And well, what happens if it does this? Well, then I can show you 25 years of knowledge of here's a couple tricks to the trade. So then you have an understanding and you're confident of your, of your product. It's not like I want to get rid of doing service work. I just would rather see you put a set of fork seals and write because this industry is not getting any cheaper. And I get so frustrated when people buy used race bikes and stuff and mm-hmm. they go all, they don't have an understanding of it. They blow the thing up. Some shop down the street charges them $4,000 to rebuild the $5,000 motorcycle. And the whole time they're bitching about, motocross is expensive. No, it's not. You just didn't have an understanding of what you were buying. So I want, I want people to learn how to fish. You know, I want to teach the industry I don't you know yeah you can compete with the industry but at the end of the day I want to teach the industry and I want to feed the industry I want to create a thousand billies because I'd rather see that because then I know what's being taught I mean these young kids don't a lot of them have no understanding of it well sometimes there's mechanics that are the same way same thing there is no university when it comes to that stuff and then when we get into the more advanced stuff like you said we get some guys that might have been using x y and z brand but the problem was. Even these guys that have been doing it for 15, 20 years, don't have an understanding of what they were doing. They were just being told to put it in. Well, let's come back. Let's have a, uh, an intimate conversation about what this part is and where this part fails, why a cone valve works, why a shimmed mid valve works. And then you get an understanding of what the manufacturer is building and how to improve upon it. Because at the same time, I'm trying to help these people that maybe they own their own business, this gives you something else to offer. You know, I joke with guys when you know it'd be like being a Century 21 guy in a town that has 12 Century 21 offices. Mm-hmm. What are you going to offer? Yeah. So, I look at it as a benefit to learning how this stuff works and what you can offer your consumer. And before you know it, yeah, yeah, maybe there are going to be a thousand power bands out there when we're done. I don't see that being a problem um, because I want to be a resource to these guys. You know, we're looking at even. You know, applaud you guys for what you're doing right now i mean my wife was joking with me today she's like you should do a podcast and i'm thinking i'm gonna run out of topics real fast (laughs) but and then who really wants to hear about this stuff maybe that would be something down the road i called it stickers and clickers but (laughs) we're working on the title but at the end of the day I, i you know i even think about trying to build um on youtube and i'm trying to figure out ways of doing it so i can protect my work but at the same time 12 o'clock at night you're taking something apart on that bike you don't have the service manual what are you doing scrolling youtube scrolling something trying to find how that thing went back together yeah it's
1: your only option you're not calling somebody right right.
3: i want to do the same thing with suspension i want to take apart and it might be little five minute snippets little reels or whatever these kids are calling it nowadays but taking apart an assembly laying it out showing you how to put it back together just for the simple fact of what happens if you yanked it apart that little blue washer went across the room and you're like did that did that go on the f- front of it or did go back? there's mm-hmm. you can pull up the schematic from the manufacturer and it's not going to show you the orientation of yeah. it so that's the stuff that i'm i'm really passionate about and that's the stuff that i want to see in the future i mean we're still going to continue to be at the forefront of being a suspension shop or race shop i mean we do do some service work and stuff too at the shop and that's growing and i'm happy for that but you know, I'm very passionate about this because I look at it saying, well, it's a this allows me a platform to talk. I could have called you guys up and said, hey, I want to sponsor your show.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I might get this little box in the corner and I cut you a check for 250 bucks. And at the beginning of the show, I get brought to you by power band suspension. Yeah. But I don't get the ability to have an intimate conversation with you guys. Like I said, I could sit out here till morning. I love this stuff. I love racing. Um, I love working through like i said everybody's different needs and stuff like that but that's just it i want to have a voice in our industry at times and same thing i look at some of these you know we when we talk about our advanced schools i've reached out to guys that are, are are pro mechanics and i'm like listen you could come and spend some time with us these teams are all looking for suspension techs there's a shortage in our industry of actually suspension techs there's chassis guys there's parts changer guys but there's a shortage of suspension techs come spend some time and guess what maybe we can help you you know climb that ladder a little bit because you'll become more comfortable with tackling these different things so (coughs) i'm trying to be much broader with what we're doing and sharing of our info and and there's nothing the more i share the better it gets and the more (coughs) questions that get asked and that's to me is just a database you know I, i take what people say and got a good memory for remembering conversations and and different scenarios and like you said i can have a chase sexton come in my shop and we can have a conversation about what his bike's doing the same time a 65 rider can be talking to us and we can have the same conversation it just we just we're just applying the 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 things a little bit different but that's what kind of we're all about and Said that's kind of the path that we're taking with it stuff. So yeah, the suspension academy that's going to be something that's going to start in November, um, and we're going to try to run that through as a three-day course at the uh, at the beginning. And that way, if anybody wants to do the full course, they can run it all the way through. It's pretty much going to be leading up to the minios. I kind of mm-hmm. put it at that date more for simplicity. I knew most people are going to be traveling down stuff, yep. so. And we're getting people from coming from massachusetts all over the united states so which awesome is, and we're going to be a small intimate group 12 people and less so um yeah i just I'm, I'm enjoying this i'm enjoying florida i'm enjoying where we're at as a company still navigating the economy like every other business you know i'm trying not to stick my neck out too far whether you're doing construction maintenance yeah. real estate if you just keep doing a good job and listening to your customers Correct. It's the guys that <laughs> I always tell tuners this: the the best thing you can do for a tuner is call them and say how things are going, because you give them a false sense of security when you don't call. Yeah. If you if they never hear from you, the tuner thinks that they walk on water. I don't I don't necessarily like bad phone calls, meaning that something wasn't what somebody thought, but it shows uh, as a business owner how I handle things. That's what really defines my business. Yeah. Some of these tuners don't have that because they might be doing it on the side. You know, they have limited knowledge, that kind of stuff, and that's fine. We've got a lot of tuners that are out there. All I would tell people is when, they, when they're trying to find somebody to do their suspension, have a good conversation with them. Don't pick them because they're your buddy. That's the worst thing you can do. And I had that years and years when I was a young business owner. I had people that were my friends, and it didn't help me because sometimes it it actually abused the situation because um, you were just kind of at their whim and at their disposal. We get guys all the time, hey, I want to test. And it's so funny to hear that because going back to the Butler team, we tested very little, if not anything. We did a lot of stuff at the track and just fine-tuning, but these people think that, and it's a lot of the young kids that are coming up, they think that testing is a word that needs to be applied in their program. And it's like, I try to tell them we test to solve problems if there's something legitimately wrong with the product or the setup that's a reason to test it but we don't test per se just to just to test because then you just start going down rabbit holes and stuff so you have to give them a good baseline and say it can either be this or this and then we'll humor different things in the middle but we have to have a base for it because we can't go week in and week out tearing stuff apart and saying well it was good this weekend No, most motorcycles you should be able to ride, with an exception, weekend to weekend. You should be able to go from Dade down to Moto Bros, out to Orlando MX, maybe adjust a little bit. Maybe. But if it's 80%, it'll be probably pretty good everywhere. So I would tell people that don't overthink it. Um, Don't overtest. But at the same time, if you you have no reference, I mean, if, if somebody has a problem with something, go throw a leg over somebody else's bike like you did. That gives you just a fresh perspective of it.
0: I I think the testing, I I think we say what we hear. Mm -hmm. And in the pros, what are they doing? They're always testing. Oh, we tested this this week. So I think there's also that that's the phrase. The hype. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and their teams, they have budgets. You know, that's that's the toughest part for guys like uh, Matt. They're trying to get to a point where they can fund this thing, right? You're racing against American Honda. Yeah. They have a budget. They don't need to make a profit. They mm-hmm. have no product to sell outside of their race team. So they're, you know, Roger DeCoster is expected to spend X, Y, and Z to go racing. So it makes sense that they do testing and trying all this kind of stuff, yeah. and durability stuff. But you've got a pro team that sometimes even the pro riders, Cooper Webb's showing up at Glen Helen with his own, su- or Apollo with his own suspension. That tells you that even those top teams don't have it perfect. Yeah. So yep. so Matt Matt's on the right path. I applaud him. I've reached out to him. I mean, I kind of just mentioned to him. You know, after I heard about what he's doing, I said, Hey, if I can be a resource. Great. Um, I like to advise just as much as I like to do the work. You know, sometimes it's just a, you know, I know David Braswell. I've worked on Cadence bikes since he was on a fifty. So mm-hmm. it's more about these relationships and trust. You know, knowing that we can have a conversation of a, things aren't always perfect but we can always work through those problems and and come up with solutions and not just you know i'm not trying to ever blow you know blow smoke up somebody's rear just to get their stickers on their bikes that's i could care less at that point yeah it's fun seeing your bikes on the starting gate but it's more about what got you there on that starting gate that that tells the story so
0: no that's awesome actually i was gonna ask that was one of my last questions was What's next? You just you just told us what's next. Yeah. So I do have one technical question left, and and this is one of those. I'm going to be doing some enduro stuff next year, and there's potential I'm going to be on a sand tire, paddle tire one time, and then I'm going to be on a mid tire, and I'm going to be running moose. How much is that going to be affecting suspension versus because the tire is going to have a different sidewall? And Mm -hmm. I'm not that good, but I also don't want to go to these events and completely be out in left field so i'm curious when some when a parent goes and buys a new tire for the oh we're racing at dade city which is normally sand sometimes it's concrete once every 35 years okay yeah, yeah, once in a <laughs> great while but uh how much does that affect the setup of the bike
3: uh, i would say that it has an effect on the bike but it shouldn't be something that you can always reference back right so if you have a setting that's working for you, let's say you went there last weekend you had no problems. All of a sudden, you've got these new Kendall tires or somebody gave you this and that. And before you know it, you're, oh, man, the bike's knifing on me. It's doing all this weird stuff. I always say, what changed? What what changed in your program that made it do this and this and this? So, yeah, yeah. I would say get a feel for it. It's, it's, it's tough with some of those products because, like you said, they're going to have so much carcass moving and stuff like that. Some Pirellis have a stronger... Mm-hmm. We we struggled with that when um, we were helping out uh, Club MX when they were still on KTM's. Uh, that's when Hoosier came on board. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
2: yeah, oh,
3: great tire. I'm not I'm not bad mouthing the tire, but it was tire, a great logo. The tire, great logo, <laughs> but the tire had a ton of flex on it when it broke in. Yeah, um, and we would chase these different. It would actually flex going through whoops. Well, now all of a sudden you're changing chassis and stuff. So there are times where you get a little f- frustrated because there's certain aspects of the suspend uh, of chassis I can't change. Yeah. Um, all I can do is improve upon it. But to your extent, I would just say it's just just do your own testing. Saying, okay, well I did this and and the beauty of it is you can you can always take it back off just to see if that changes it and stuff. But you know, you don't know until you try it. If you if you've never had your forks pushed all the way up, try it sometimes. Do it under a controlled environment. But you can always reference back and say, Well was it better and worse? I mean you can talk to yourself about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird conversation, but you can say was it better <laughs> or was it worse? Yeah. But we just don't do that we jump on it ride expect it to be good there are times too where you've seen some products that are out there that actually didn't make the bike any better um that's a struggle too especially if it's oh my my sponsor gives this to me i don't tell you all i can do is tell you that it didn't do it before but now it's doing it Mm -hmm. you know sometimes we get uh, riders get sponsored by a triple clamp company or engine hangers or another good one Mm -hmm. we've had super many riders that tried and true had everything tested everything worked we went from event to event to event all of a sudden these titanium things show up and they bolt them on their bikes and they're like man the bike's knifing it's doing this he's he's feeling like it's kicking in the back and what changed well so and so send us these engine hangers put the stock ones back on and tell me if it changed yeah it stopped doing that
0: and and that that's to me is nuts that the I, I, i listen to some testing guys and i'm sure you deal with riders i am amazed that a rider can feel a millimeter change or a torque spec change in an engine mount bolt or tight that to me is absolutely astonishing that this everything kind of works together
3: i love and there's not a guy out there that i do not like when it comes to testing the only thing that i see sometimes that is a slippery slope is when people start getting sponsored by certain products um that's where i have a problem i mean we struggle with that sometimes in our industry because there are bigger players that are out there that can spend money they have influence that kind of stuff um as much as i would love to keep some of my riders sometimes it's out of my hands you know they they move up to x y and z team there's nothing i can do about it even though i'm fielding phone calls throughout the summer from that same rider's dad saying we're struggling is there something you could do hey would you take it apart and just look at it there's people that have influence well products can have the same thing you know um like you said you go out to california everybody's got a longer pull rod why why is it why is everything in california have to have a pull rod on it at times well it might just be because of how their chassis are set up out there you know you ride glenn helen and paula all day long maybe that's why that is um i get very frustrated with magazines and maybe you can you know, uh, you know agree why do we always test bikes in cali yeah. I seldom no, see I a yeah. motocross action that is taking place in Kansas or Maryland. Go somewhere else where there's some different soil. I don't care about Glen Helen. It, it doesn't apply to me. Yeah. So it doesn't apply to the rest of the world because there's a lot of people that will never race at that track. Um, California setups are very <sighs> tough to set up for suspension. When you talk about different uh, types of setups... California has kind of a dead feeling where, you know, you're almost like you're bottoming out, jumping into a corner just to keep the inside rut. That setting rears its ugly head when those guys get to Loretta's. You see the California kids at times will struggle. They figured it out in the last few years, but there was times where your top amateur kids that were on top of the world that come out of the West Coast couldn't ride their way out of a wet paper bag when it came to Loretta's because they didn't deal with that soil. So that's just it. I want a fair assessment of the product how it applies and it can't always be perfect just like i could send a suspension out the door and i try to have it as close as possible even i'm immortal you could put it on wrong and that's where we we, we document fork height we do sag we do i can do a lot of pre-measurement stuff i'll still get the guy calling up saying yeah it's it's doing this and i'll be like where's your forks set?" i don't know okay. send me a picture of it and it's completely in the wrong spot and i'm like how could i have done this any differently to explain <laughs> to you where to put this i can
0: tell you i struggle with my four kites i am i'm i really i do i do I, i'm not, I'm not dumb, dumb but when it comes to those finite little measurements i ask for help i i am not shy i have a hey man i'm struggling with this i i i mean it, it's one of those but i understand at the level you're dealing with most of the time these kids it's their life yeah. they, should, they should should have it have you know it. i
3: they should recognize it, and, and that's where we try to educate. That's when I'll do, like, the workshops and stuff, and I'll, 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 I'll literally pause on that and say, whether you're on a 450 or whether you're on a KTM Mini, this part where the tube touches the cap is zero. This is not a line. This is a seam. And I try to beat that into their heads because I'm like, whether you bought a KTM, whether you bought a Yamaha, if your tuner says 5 millimeters or second line, we're always referencing off this point, but I still have people that just well, are you counting the four cap?
0: <sighs> see, I how love it.
3: how can I word this any different because yeah. I want to see the most out of it because that's the problem. Your first experience with my product is wrong, but I didn't have a, a fair shake yeah. in it because I didn't bolt it on. I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not the local guy. You're not I'm shipping the, the bike. bike. I can't ship the bike, and it's funny how many times. You, funny you say that because I get people all the time. Do you got to have the whole bike, sir? You're in Pennsylvania. <laughs> How are you getting How are you getting it? I don't I yeah. don't need you to sit on the bike and maybe in some people's world but that that works but uh, you know that's why we do the testing, that's why we have as much data so we can always try to replicate as best as possible. So Good. uh yeah. Um before I forget, for one of your viewers, oh. we have a certificate for a free revalve. All right. And you guys can apply that in any form you want as far as a giveaway a raffle however you seem fit that's yeah, we'll 500 make it dollar value um i got some koozies in here for you guys for later on too oh sweet um so that's the kind of stuff that we like to do yeah. we like to give back that gives me the ability we were able to do that this weekend at moto bros the same way it's like i love being able to show people what is capable without them feeling obligated that's um, you ask sometimes about pro writers at times too, or even top amateurs you know wanting to try our you know they don 't know enough about our product, but they 've heard good things, and I always tell them, "Send me one, let me build one, and then you be to the side because i don 't want your first experience to be a, an invoice mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. a number at the bottom of it because that 's going to have a stigma to it. Um, not that I don't like collecting money. It's just <laughs> the fact that I want to prove to you what I can do, just like how I do workshops. I want to show you what a stock bike can do, because if I can gain your trust there, I can't tell you how many times I see people that charge 20 bucks to set SAG, and I'm like, why would you charge for SAG? Well, I have to charge for SAG. No, you don't. You're trying to gain the trust of that person that doesn't know you. So I'd rather have it be $0 amounts, because if it wasn't right, oh well. You're not yeah. at anything. But if I can have you come back and go, that made my day so much more enjoyable, well then I'd gain the trust of that person for a good long while.
0: Do you do, do you, it's gonna sound weird because some do and some don't, do you do any track side support at any events?
3: We're trying to do more, so thank you for saying that because that is something that we're trying to do more and more because you get so used to doing big events um, that you forget about the small events. Um, So we're trying to do more and more. even, like, with FTR, the problem with, like, FTR-type events is you guys run a very weird schedule because <laughs> you're in, you're out. I don't even get a chance to really even represent yeah. what I'm doing. It's a little different on a, on a moto setup. Yeah. All day Saturday I sat there at Moto Bro, said set- SAG, and talking to people. Yeah. I don't get that luxury with FTR guys. Either. Yeah, yeah. you are got to get in and out. And so that's where I'm trying to figure out different ways of doing that.
0: I think it's going to, like, crew and doing different ride days and that kind of stuff. And I was more talking about the motocross side. Even just hitting local local races. Even even though I'm the off-road guy, I I was thinking more because I was, basically, I was throwing that out there to say, come talk to him. He's a personable guy. Yeah. And, And that's what I've recognized tonight just sitting here. It's like, yeah, just, like, come talk about it. And he's not taking money out of your pocket to ask questions.
3: Right. and and we're a free resource i mean that's that's a part of like the workshops i mean i tried to harp on everybody this weekend at you know at the event i'm like you you talk about how you know us tuners are you know wizards how we do something i'm standing in front of you for free for three hours pick my brain ask me any question you want i would rather get you the right information than have you walk away and be like well i wish i would have asked that question ask it i'm gonna i'm gonna give up my information because there's nothing proprietary that i'm gonna you and it's not like we're going to get into some nitpicky thing but you know even down to like some people are like well you don't give everybody the same settings if you if you wanted x y and z guys settings i'll put them in your bike they might not work for you but i don't hold settings back why wouldn't i want you to have the best of the best (laughs) i'll
0: let you have them good good luck yeah 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 Yeah. i think i think that's awesome that's what i was that's what i was referencing is if you if you see if you see Billy out, if you see the Power Band van or out, Tyler. If you see, yep. or Tyler, if you yep. see them out, ask them. And those are those questions that, as a dad, that you may have a question, and it may just be putting eyes on it, like when they go, "Hey, what what time's your kid gonna ride?" Oh, okay, well let's go watch, and yep. you can watch it and see, like, oh, you know what? It's actually he's hitting that bump, mm-hmm. or there might be something. And ask those questions because one, it's going to give you peace of mind, and two, you might learn something, and three. You might find a vendor that you can then rely on and and you don't have to worry about it.
3: And and surprisingly, I watch everybody's bikes. I don't care if they're my stickers or not. I watch. If you see me on the fence, I'm watching everyone because at the same time, I want to see what everybody else's stuff is doing, whether it's stock or whether it's modified. There's been times I've tracked people down going, there's something wrong with your bike. I don't want to see you get hurt. You sound Your like shock is blown out. You should, please, bring the shock. To me. <laughs> I, I would rather see that than have you have an issue because it's like, yeah. no, I, you
0: know. You, yeah. you sound like so, the tire manufacturers in GNCC. They used to walk around <laughs> with notepads, and you'd see Pirelli, Dunlop, Kenda, Maxis. You'd yeah. see them walking around documenting. It didn't matter if they were fact. Whoever was on yeah. that line, all 400 riders, they're yeah. out there documenting the brand of tires, and then yeah. and then they got guys out in the woods watching what those tires are doing Mm
2: -hmm. no
3: that's that's if you're not doing that as a business then you're just being lazy with it because you can't just assume that you're always going to have the best setting you're everything's changing A, a most frustrating bike right now is the the ktm the 23 and the 24 model there's some variables there that aren't always favorable i mean they've moved some you know motor parts they've moved some chassis parts and it's not the same animal but we still are being held to the standard where you're gonna make the bike work right yeah i'm gonna do my best but i can't start re-welding tabs on frames either so let's let's work through this not in america
0: nope (laughs) (laughs) only only a mxgp you can do that but not here
3: absolutely
0: but no i think Uh, that was that was was educational i for someone that's suspension dumb and some people would say motorcycle dumb i i got a lot out of it and and really enjoyed the 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 candidness and 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 just the education part of
3: yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could do this all night. Like, yeah. Like,
3: yeah, I don't think you want to edit that. I, yeah,
0: I could do
1: this all night, but, yeah, so, so for a, a listener's standpoint, obviously we've got to cap it at a certain
0: point, and then we're but, pretty much at that but point. We're gonna, but we're going to come up with something on this. Yeah,
1: yeah so um, that's awesome. awesome. This is going to be a fantastic. We'll do a giveaway here probably, like, next week or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and if you've um, got,
3: you know, and I always tell guys, if you've got, you know, people that are in your inner circle, gentleman uh, the young man that was on the other night you know uh, I, I i might not do his stuff but don't feel like you can't reach out yeah you know and and i i'm not one to go and try to scoop riders away that kind of stuff it's just i enjoy talking about this stuff and if i can help you know your listeners that kind of stuff i mean pick up the phone send me an email uh don't instagram dm stuff i, I don't always <laughs> look at that stuff i try so to but i'm not that guy where can people find yeah. you? yeah uh so uh, shop number um which i'll i'll give you guys and stuff like that yeah. or sales at powerbandracing.com that is my desktop you, you send an email it comes right to me so if you go off the website that kind of stuff uh all of our school stuff that's on our website too um we're going to try to do more posting stuff you'll start to see more reels that kind of stuff i'm trying to be like the kids i just i'm an old dog it's hard i
0: I understand i am battling that right now too i got (laughs) you completely
3: yeah i know it's the new age and stuff and that's i mean maybe that stimulated me to do more with this type of stuff and get get better at talking and stuff yeah it's
1: it's it's a hard realm um i was never a talker but i'm now full-blown with this like we're talking we're on tiktok we're on instagram we're on facebook you know the the whole nine yards it's it's difficult to keep up with it all but um that's the generation but, it, but
3: it's needed i mean uh, there's there should be a limit of this information that's out there like i said you guys are doing a great job with you know bringing attention to you know florida and all that kind of stuff and the motocross xc scenes i mean we need more of that yep. you know we need more of that than kids doing stupid stuff on the internet you yep. know and, ma- and getting likes and clicks and stuff it's like we should be f- you know feeding our minds with information, information. i mean yep. I, there's nothing better than a podcast that you can just put a set of earbuds and i mean i listened to you guys's hour and a half drive down here i mean i was listening to your program and taking different things from how you guys do it so we can all continue to learn and that's just it share and not be afraid to share that's the other thing like you said goes back to the pro racing everything shouldn't be so backdoor now
0: you're like you laugh about that and we talk about sharing and you talk about using other i'm actually in my in my business podcast that i do one of my goals is to sit down with some of the top agents in our area and tell them, hey, this isn't competition. I wanna know what makes you so good. I agree. Because, because you're good. good. You're you're, you're really good. good. And yeah. you you're doing a great job in this industry, in this area. Give us some of those tools that you're using. I'm I've got my ways. Yeah. I'm not here to comp yes, I'm competing, but in the grand scheme of things you might be teaching someone else and our whole job is to build and guess what? If two people see two people cooperating, all of a sudden they're like, Oh, Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think it's hilarious that you talk about that because I'm actually battling that right now. I've got a couple superstar agents that I need to sit down with, and it's like I've got to approach them the right way because I'm not competing against you. Yeah. I want I want to give you press. Like I want you – you're getting free press from me.
3: Yeah, what's that saying about ships Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. That's, yep. The, that's the philosophy you have to have, and that's just it. And, and, and I, yeah, if I can kind of circle back on that someday too with, with other suspension guys, that's just it. We all talk we all talk about our struggles we all talk about you know you know things that we're having an issue with in the industry something's back ordered, that kind of stuff we're always talking and stuff but yeah we might not always do stuff the same way but we all want the same results yep. and stuff and that's just it you should be able to spotlight people and say what are you doing really good in north carolina you know, yeah. What, what, yeah. You know give us a little you know because i think that's that content thing that's what people are so hungry for it's just some substance then you know, everything out there just seems to be a five second fizzle. And it's like, no, we want substance. We want to see what, what yeah. else we can get out of people. And if you're good enough, <laughs>
0: you're not scared. Steve Mathis has every major moto media person on his podcast because he's not scared yeah. of of, of, of being, being.
3: I got a little yeah. problem with Steve. Yeah. It, but it's it not. More, f- it was more about making fun of our name, but that's a we, we worked that out.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but there was a whole joke, not with you guys, but there was this whole joke about making sure you put the yellow power band on and the i mean there there is a joke about that in in the industry not just it. not with you but i love it i love
3: it you know, <laughs> you know, when somebody keeps saying something over and over i'm like keep saying
0: it yeah by the way it's www.powerbandracing.com if you want to get a hold of billy it's sales at powerbandracing.com and uh we're gonna have that giveaway for the revalve and we look forward to learning some more maybe one of those things we've had a couple of guests it's like we might have to do this yearly just to kind of uh, you know keep it, up.
3: you know and depending on when you guys come through obviously you go up to dade city and stuff like that i mean if there's ever a time you wanted to come and you know maybe leading up to minio yeah, something like that check I'd love it to out do that kind of stuff yeah yeah, um, yeah with the ftr guys i mean we we've got that workshop this weekend we still have a couple spots so if you've okay. got guys i know obviously it's a little bit of drive from here but you know for that event you get me for two three hours you know, so that's that's something they might want to look at. But that's just it. I'd love to revisit this thing. I mean, uh, if you want to do something when Supercross starts, that kind of stuff, we can get into conversations of about the trash, you know, dumpster fire that Supercross <laughs> is starting off because it's it's always going to be changing and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be something you can talk about when it comes to that. Or, yep. you know, something about a new model, that kind of stuff. That's, that's always the tough part is just trying to figure out how to, to word it to people that yeah. – keeps yeah. them engaged and stuff like
0: that no, we'll, we'll, and we're, we're 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 learning that process as we go and i think we're getting ready to jump into the deep end here that's
3: what i'm excited, I'm excited to hear what that is yeah
0: and uh it's going to be fun but it's it's something that we both have always wanted to do mm-hmm. and balancing our own lives with doing that and helping yeah. it's kind of like you help people chase their dreams yeah. that's all we're doing we're chasing a dream at the same time helping someone chase a dream yeah. right and, and you're it's just like passionate about it i mean i can yeah.
3: see that you know this is something that you guys are you know aspiring to and and like you said you wear different hats during the day and stuff yeah. but you still yep. want to aspire and, and and go after your dreams and that kind of stuff and, and who doesn't want to root for that
0: yeah so. i try not to wear dress slacks too often but sometimes i I come here with
1: that's <laughs> uh we, we we did our podcast with our rider last night you know that was our announced our big announcement you know that uh beyond the curve mx is hitting supercross this year Fantastic. and um i i just took a moment and i'm like just think back 10 years ago is you ever see yourself at this point you know right. dreams do come true absolutely. so you know as a kid anybody listening you
0: just keep digging well i was going to race at lamar but this is pretty good <laughs> yeah. so.
3: and you know and as, and as a business owner i recognize when i hear guys that are you know doing stuff like this and that's just it we all want to be part of something yeah you know and if there's a way down the road and your rider needs something absolutely pick the phone up and yeah. stuff like that i mean you know the funny thing is I'll, I'll i won't go down the big rabbit hole but i tell people with sponsorship. Sponsorship is whether or not I like you. Yeah. It yeah. has no other mechan it has no other mechanical I advantage agree. to it. It's whether or not I'm willing to take money out of my pocket, out of my children's pocket. Yep. To help you. Correct. And we've gotten to a point now where we either do it for free or we do it for retail. We don't really have anything in the middle just because if we do stuff in the middle, we turn into hook it, we turn into sponsor yeah. house, all the probably dating myself with some of these places. They probably aren't even I remember anymore. Hook It, but yeah. Yeah. well
1: sponsor house is now <laughs> Hookit.
3: But long <laughs> of the short is you could be a nobody and get fifty percent off. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Why? Fifty percent is a lot of money. No, would, you spon- sell, would you sell a house for fifty percent off?
1: No. <laughs> it's now there's now sponsorship and support. Yeah. Where it used to be sponsorship. So like we have yeah. sponsorship. Yeah. I and we don't, even on the podcast, you know, My my Little Rider, we only work with people we can back. Yeah. And um, that's that's how it is with our Supercross rider. That's how it is in our amateur world. If I can't back your business, we don't work with you. I don't want free stuff. Yeah. I want to know that I can trust you, and I want to know that you're there to support me when we need it. If I need my suspension redone, you're, you're sponsoring me. I need to know that I can bring that up because we have a race this weekend. It's going to be done on that bike. Correct. So. It's a, you know, it's a, this, is a, this is a rabbit hole that we can go and down
3: that's, forever. And, you know, and to go back to like what Matt's dealing with and stuff. Like I said, I have never even spoken to the guy, but that's, that's something that these even bigger teams have to deal with and stuff. Yep. It's like, mm-hmm. well, we've got a couple guys, and they've tried this and this and this, but it is hard to get them all wrangled together because it does make sense. Like for the upcoming Supercross, uh, we just got done kind of you know, verbal agreement to like the uh, Mad Kawasaki team. Yeah. So we're going to be handling that whole 450 team. They're all going to be on the same product. Where last year we had one rider and this guy had this, and it was just this yeah. really yep. mixed mixture of stuff. But at the end of the day, even the top teams, they just want to have an answer of this is what we need. Can you provide? Yeah, That's it. It's yeah. as simple as that. They're not yep. looking for a check. They're just looking for if I ask for this, can you get this done? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll, and, and yeah. all they're
1: going to ask in the, in the long term is what can you provide to us? I yep. mean, it's a very simple contract, basic It's
3: actually easier than the
2: business. amateur stuff. Yeah. It truly is. Yeah.
1: The amateur stuff is miserable. Like, you know, these guys are t- fighting for $250,000, 500,000, $100,000 here. We're fighting for 500 bucks. Yeah. You know, and it's
3: or we get the phone call, "Hey, do you do sponsorship?" That's what I hear on every end of every conversation. Yeah. And I tell them, first things first, are you in my QuickBooks? I've never done work with you before. Okay, we'll start there. So, we're going to look at past history and, and how we've progressed and yep. then cuz uh, I'll tell your listeners the same thing. I would rather help the dad that is at an event and the guy beside him has an issue. Hey, that Billy from Powerband. Tyler's over in their box truck. Let me take you over and introduce him to you. Yeah. Hey, Billy, this is so-and-so. Those types of dads, I'll tear up every invoice that ever comes across my desk Mm -hmm. because of what they do. But to that top-level guy that says, well, they won't even say our name at Loretta's because have to thank OGO because OGO gave me a bag. Scott gave me six sets of tear offs. Wait a minute, the suspension and motor guy got you up front, and got you on yeah, this yeah. podium. Yeah. We should be a little farther to the the top,
1: pinnacle of the bike.
3: But they forget real fast. Yeah. And those are the ones I say, really not interested in helping out anymore. I mean there's been top level kids I've said, I just don't want to help anymore. Yeah. This this isn't a good relationship. It's so.
0: funny, you're not the first suspension guy that's told me that that everybody wanted something he's like man i'm, I'm running a business right. and everybody wanted something for nothing he said i'm not running a business then i'm running a charity
3: and that's what our industry unfortunately is right now yep. it's it's this i think it's going to take a few generations to weed it out but uh, you know when we go back to all these guys we're all in the trenches together yeah stop giving out everything that. We'd all kind of align ourselves and say, you know, that's why you most of the time, it's surprising on the motor side, they don't do this, but suspension most of the time, everybody has a price structure to be at. So it's kind of a fair analysis yeah. of where everything's at. Motor guys are kind of all over the place, but that's just it. We can all make a better living if we would stop having the guy down the street giving out everything for free because he wants his sticker out there so bad. Yeah. And it's like, that's going to be short-lived because they're going to move on to the next guy that's going to offer him three extra stickers. Yep. So. Try to stick with your, you know, your price structure. And, you know, sometimes you might hear no, that's fine. I'd rather hear a no than do six freeze and be sitting there cussing and swearing the whole time. Like, why did I, why did I sign on for this? Yeah. yeah. I'm nope. not happy with this.
0: And that's part that we just, it's a great way to wrap this up because this is the part of the podcast. The business side, we always talk about that. There is a business component to this. Yes, we're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. We have, we have jobs. We have, this is our passion project which I get scared because some people will say when you do a passion you're not getting anything from it except just that release this is something that we both want to do but we can't go broke doing it my wife likes living indoors Absolutely, she dresses nice and <laughs> I don't want to hear that wrath she also likes being on the road and for her she's already said if we can't get enough credentials get me a ticket I'll come down to the pits with my monster can hang out with you guys till 6 then I'll go sit in the stands for her it's this is something he and I enjoy and I'm going to help you support it and that's where we are I'm not going broke for it
1: no we can't I mean yeah. I got three kids we yeah. to, we we're racing we're, but it's, um, it's building and it's, yeah. it's becoming quite the adventure and, and,
3: and, and I would say with business you know, I always refer back to people how you do one thing is how you do everything yeah. so if you're this business guy that's running around with his head cut off he's not invoicing he's next day airing everything oh i I didn't put springs in it because we didn't need them well did you not need them because because we didn't have enough time to get them you know different Mm -hmm. things like that so that's what i always tell people is how you do one thing is how you probably do all your stuff so people would rather see you organized you know Uh, how many times have you walked sometimes into people's shops and you're just like i wouldn't let this guy work on my lawnmower there's 27 motors (laughs) taking apart on that bench and i don't even know whose is whose if you find, I mean, I encourage people stop by our shop. We're open, you know, nine to five. You know, we, we took on an old, uh, uh, building. It's all glass. Mm -hmm. I don't get to hide my mess. My mess is out in front. So if you were to walk over to my valving area, it's relatively clean. My disassembly area is relatively clean where I keep my products is relatively clean. That's what I'm showing you how I do my day to day. So that's what my product looks like when it goes out the door. But if your shock shows up in an old Nike box, with a bunch of Christmas wrapping (laughs) what's inside that shock because if they do one thing a certain way they do everything that way so um, yeah I love the business part of it like you said it's at the end of the day we're not here we're these aren't hobbies you know we want to see we want to see success yep we know it's going to take time but we just keep working the process and stuff like that and yeah the passion is what keeps you going you know any of any of us can just quit tomorrow and just go get a job and just phone it in there's some days that it feels like it'd probably be a pretty good release, but yep, because <laughs> you never get to turn it off as a business owner. Correct. You know, it's it's
1: you know my wife my wife will tell me all the time. Are you gonna put that phone down?
3: Yep. I can't. I can't. So I'm gonna, I wish, I'm gonna try to ba- I'm gonna try to balance this life. You know, luckily enough, our kids are a little bit older. You know, me and my wife have the ability to kind of you know we had our kids pretty early, so you know now we can find a focus. You know, we want to travel a little bit. You know, when I talk about workshops, maybe in a couple of years I'm gonna get a Sprinter with a really cool setup in the back and we're just going to drive from state to state and do setups that's so awesome not? I've not never been it. to i never, never been to Washington
0: that, we were just talking last about night it you <laughs> know, there
3: are certain places I'd be like <laughs> yeah. I'd do it uh, I joked around like you know for me being a technician and if, and if some, anybody's listening over in Europe, Europe I've even said it before I'll go over and be a GP tech for <coughs> yeah. free yeah I just want to go see all those cool places yeah I want to go to you know Asia I want to go to Russia I would Oh my God. And go do suspension all day long. Just yep. pay for yep. me and my wife. Cover our costs. I'll do, it. I'll do it for free. Yep. Just because I mean, you got one life when yeah. it go. So yeah. Enjoy it all. There. You, there you and, know, you know, know, and I think, think, I think,
0: think that's, that that's, that's a great that's way, that's way, that's way, that's way to wrap it up. That right there. there. You got one life. life do it well. well. How you do one thing is how you do it all. And you can see the passion talking about, I mean, you can see the passion when he was talking about the suspension and the parents and, Reach out, reach out. It's, I guess I won't say it's our first infomercial because we dove in. We've had multiple infomercials with the training and the yeah, uh, lots of people. And th- this is this is the encompassing of the industry. I can't wait till we get somebody on that does gear. Like I, I can't wait to talk about gear and helmets and boots and all that stuff. I mean, I, I think I find it interesting. I, I just find it find it interesting. So. I want to thank Billy with Powerband Racing for joining us, and welcome to Florida from Minnesota. You are a transplant that I guess we'll accept. I've accepted Derek from Pennsylvania. As a true Floridian, it's been tough to watch my state be infiltrated. There's a
1: few of us that come down that are pretty good.
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, thank you, and thank you for uh, bringing your business down and, and wanting to expand the knowledge of the racers. Um, Derek, you want to wrap us up?
1: Yeah, I hope to see you at some of the racetracks soon. Yeah. Um, we hit a Gold Cup this weekend, so it's going to be exciting. We're at Diamondback. Um, dude, I can't wait to do this again. I think it's going to be a blast. There's there's so much more conversation to have here. Yeah, and, yeah. Um,
3: and 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 I would say, you know, as being new to Florida and stuff like that, I mean, I, I asked the same out of the FDR guys. Help me get an understanding of, you know, where you see that my type of business would fit into this yeah. because. Like you said, I, I've yet to go to a Dade City race. You now, come to I a day. D- d- I, I did a day in the dirt. Well, oh, oh, that's a, that's a whole different years. ball game. That was fun. But it was the first time I was there, and I thought, God, this would be kind of fun to kind of go yeah. here. But, you know, I always, I never turned the business part of it off. I'm like, well, what can we do at this event? You know, I, I want to be part of it. I don't just want to yeah. be, you know, like this weekend. I, I didn't want to be a guy that was just sitting there in the back of his box truck, and no one really wanted to approach me. Yeah. I'd rather just be mingling, and then, like you said— walk up and get a free workshop and not feel like oh you're not my suspension guy i can't we're just having a conversation well let's
1: get let's get you at dade city race that's a goal right there so um we'll we'll get you out there at dade city we're pretty well known at dade city so um we'll get you out there and i think it'd be a fun weekend that sounds like a plan for for
0: derek Derek. who's known everywhere and (laughs) dbc custom fabrication and handyman services and for me trey heath with uh michelle and trey real estate i'm not known anywhere This was the 28th episode of the Beyond the Curve, the MX podcast, with our guest, Billy Edmondson of Powerband Racing. Thank you all, and we look forward to seeing you the next time. Thanks,
2: guys. See ya.